This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blakey, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Blue Moon. Baseball and beer go hand in hand, and Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots. The season is winding down, and you already know that I'll be at the ballpark soaking up the end of the summer with a Blue Moon in hand. There's no better way to watch the game. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter, celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon run into the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city. And nobody gonna big play our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. No Pete tonight. No Pat tonight. It's me. Tyler, Jake, uh, a series win that we have to discuss. I feel like I'm I'm in a weird. I'm, I feel like I'm in like Red Sox purgatory right now, where like I don't feel anything at all. Like I don't feel uh, happy. I don't feel sad. I, I mean, I I still like obviously have a rooting interest where I want to see them win baseball games. Like I think it would still piss me off if, if like say someone. Say like Adley Rushman hits a game tying home run off of Matt Barnes in the ninth. Like I'm probably gonna be like fuck. And when they win, it's like all right, cool. But 
outside of that, I mean, I, I don't feel like a ton of emotion towards this team. And even, even the broadcast has started to pivot towards it's over. Because, ob- I mean, obviously it's over. Uh, but when the broadcast starts to do it, that's when you know for sure that it's over. Like, it, like it kind of gets a little weird when like you as the fan know that it's over. But then Nesson will run the commercials being like, next week, Tuesday, Red Sox, Yankees, Fenway Park, the rivalry for all the marbles. That's when you're like, all right, like, come on. Like, this, this series doesn't mean fucking anything at all. Uh, but no, I, I, I think um, the weird thing about this Red Sox team is that the chirps that you will get as a Red Sox fan are that this team is in last place, but they're not a last place team. They're, they're, they're like a middle of the pack team. Any other year, you, this might be a third place team, which is weird because like we're not we're not used to that at all. I mean, as Red Sox fans, it's either World Series or fucking last place. Uh, so it's only fitting that they're they're in last place when they're kind of a middle of the pack team. But you look at this AL East division. Um, there's just a lot of good teams and you're not one of them. You're not a good team, but you're not an abysmal team either. No, you're not like 69 and 72. You know, there's a chance if you get somewhat not even hot, hot, but you just play above 500 baseball over the next 20 or so games, you could end the season, you know, 500. This isn't, you know, 2012 where you're finishing with the seventh worst record in the entire sport or 2020 where you have the fourth overall pick. You know, you're not what in was that the same kind of situation. Like this is this is what that feels like. Let's pull that. That's a good question. They were 89 and 73. That doesn't seem right. I thought that team yeah. was way more. But they were in third place. They were a third place team. That was like the it, only year. It's basically, I don't know, since 2003 that I can recall where it's like they were somewhere in the middle. Like my entire adult life, they've either been a last place team or a playoff team. There's been no in between. 2010 was the one year where they were like, eh, third place. Exactly. You know, you're not falling through the ground here. And at the end of the day, you've still got a lot of, you know, it's not 2014 where you sold off a majority of the big pieces on your roster either. You still see guys hustling. I'm watching Xander Bogarts grind every single day. JD Martinez is getting mad. Rich Hill dropped about 500, you know, F-bombs throughout today's game. I thought he was going to get tossed today. I I, honestly, I was for it because like at this point, like you said, the series win is fun. And, you know, I'll take my W. I did take two out of three uh, when we did our predictions last episode. Um, So collapse for me. But you know, Tommy Pham playing hard. It's nice to see those things. It's just yeah. at this point in the year, what makes you feel something is something like Friday night where Brian Bayo through the first four innings is dominating. hits a little bit of a wall in the fifth, but, you know, gets through. Obviously, we know what happened in the sixth. That's the stuff that gets you juice. That's the stuff that gets you looking forward to 2023 and saying, all right, like I can see the direction series wins, whatever, you know, they're not going to do much for us one way or the other. You can look at the playoff odds right now. We do have one website that has officially given up truly all the way down to 0%. ESPN. Nope. Fan graphs. Fucking nerds. Yes. Fan graphs. Is it true? 0.0%. B ref. Is it less than 0.1 and five thirty eights in the same spot as them? But that is the first person to completely throw in the towel. Non-believers. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. They don't they don't believe in us. I mean, we don't believe in us, but they're not allowed to not believe in us. That's fucked up. Like if there's still a path, there's still a mathematical chance, which there is. Don't tell me it's zero percent. Fucking nerds. Do, do the math. Check your math again, because it's not zero. It's not definitively zero. They're not mathematically eliminated. So you can't say it's fucking zero. That's where my issue is. I understand. Listen, do I? Is there any hope? Fuck no. I, I would have told you two weeks ago. Fuck no. Um. 
but for fan graphs, like your bread is basically saying like, we will give you the true percentage. We can give you the true crunch of the numbers. Yeah. There's a chance. There's Any, a chance. Anything possible. Jake, Jake, is there a chance? 0.1 is not zero. It's not zero. It's not zero. Imagine, imagine like being the president of the United States and being like, there is a zero fucking percent chance that a meteor will strike the United States and, and wipe everyone out. And then it happens because there was a 0.1% chance. You would, I mean, everyone would be dead, so they can't really be mad at you. But I mean, that's just, that's tough. That's a tough look. You look like a fraud. And I'd say at this point, the best way to look at the Red Sox and probably Earth at the same time is in terms of a meteor hitting Earth, that's about the same chances the Red Sox have as making the playoffs. But there's a chance. I'm going to Google it. What are the chances a meteor strikes Earth? (sighs) The chance of such an object will hit us in any given year is roughly one in 300,000. That's like, that's like not crazy odds better odds than the red sox right now uh probably similar 0.03333 that's higher than fan graphs that's higher than fan graphs one in three hundred thousand. that seems like it's almost like likely like think about the odds of winning the fucking lottery people do that all the time one in three hundred thousand I feel like that's it's going to happen tomorrow. All right, well, let's not start speaking into that. There's still hope for 2023. Well, we're, we're not going to wish for death yet. I, don't, I mean, I feel like if a meteor hits Earth, there's no guarantee that it's going to hit the United States. And if it did, I oh. think we're, we we would really be fucked as if it hit. Uh, what is it, Yellowstone? Oh, that's if that meteor, whole volcano thing. Yes, if if a meteor hit Yellowstone, we're all done, all of us. I'd rather if a meteor was going to hit Earth and do substantial damage, I'd rather everyone die than like half the Earth die. Because I feel like if half the Earth dies and the other half that lives, it's not going to be good for you moving forward. We're probably going to die of toxins or something. No. If half the Earth got wiped out by a meteor, that'd be great. There'd be like less pollution. There'd be more resources for everyone. People like gas prices would go way down. As someone who has studied science throughout their life in high school, mm-hmm. when the meteor hit, it killed all the dinosaurs. Isn't that what happened? Because they were like breathing well, they're in fucking bad shit. Stupid. They're stupid. Oh, dinosaurs I, I are take stupid. a dinosaur over us. No, are you kidding me? We if if we if how I, I guess it depends on how much of a heads nope. up we would have. But uh, listen, if, I'm, I'm calling Coley. I'm calling. This is simple. I'm math. calling Coley. I'm calling Coley. Jared versus calling a T Rex. Who wins? You're, that's a completely different argument. How? Completely, it's a completely different argument. You're going to be shocked when Coley agrees with me. There's no chance he's going to agree with you. Jake hasn't even weighed in. We're going to get to Jake. He's probably like watching football. Mm-hmm. What's that? Coley! Talking shit? No. Uh, <laughs> all right. So here's... We're not even calling you for the uh, Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. We like barely got the wheels off the ground. I don't know how we... Oh, so we were talking about the Red Sox playoff chances. And Fangraph said they're 0%. Like 0.00. Like zero. I think uh, baseball reference is still 0.1%. Or like less than 0.1%. Less than, but not 0.0. Okay. Uh, And then I said the Red Sox have a better chance of making the playoffs than... or. Yeah, the Red Sox have a better chance of making the playoffs than a meteor has to strike Earth. And then we looked that up 
and that it's one in 300,000, which doesn't seem like that crazy of odds, really. Like that, like you're way more likely to get hit by a meteor than you are to win the lottery, and people win the lottery all the time. Don't we? Don't we get hit by meteors technically all the time? They just get broken up, and by the time they actually reach Earth, they're like smaller than like raindrops. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about like a fucking uh, Bruce Willis type asteroid. <laughs> well, that's different than a meteor. But yeah. All right. Let me let me look at let me look up. Uh, what are the chances of an asteroid? It said it it autofilled to destroying Earth. Like, can I just say hit Earth? Nope. We're going all the way. I don't think asteroids just hit. They destroy? Yeah. How likely? Okay. In 2015, the impact probability was reduced to a 1 in 8,000. That's even better odds than a fucking meteor. And on Tuesday, the NEOCC, whoever the fuck those people are, conducted a new risk assessment based on all available data up to December 2021. Uh, the resulting estimated impact probability in 2880 is approximately 1 in 50,000. All right. So like, we have a pretty good chance of getting hit by an asteroid. Anyways, so I think what we were saying, we eventually got to the argument, uh, Tyler's a fucking idiot. And he said that the dinosaurs because they became extinct after getting hit by an asteroid that they like dinosaurs have a better chance of survival from this happening than human beings i i I didn't say better i said it's about the same plane i I just don't also wrong also wrong if they couldn't breathe in the toxins how are we going to figure out the toxins i don't I've been banging this drum for a while. The <laughs> idea that the dinosaurs went extinct is just so patently wrong. An alligator is a dinosaur. Crocodiles, False. most birds, birds. Like there, there's dinosaurs living among us every day of the week. That's so, that's yeah, facts. That's the facts. only answer I'll accept is the Komodo dragon. I will not accept some garbage ass crocodile or alligator. Al- if you look at an alligator, you're telling me that's not a fucking dinosaur, dude. It's a big iguana. It's a big no. iguana. There's nothing nope. more to that. No, stop Say it. That Spare me. Say that to his fucking face. Say that to his face. Fair no crocodile. How is a Komodo dragon not a big iguana? That that thing is a menace. It has poison in it. Yeah, but a fucking sort of some frog. Yeah. The bright colored ones. You're you're not making very good arguments this episode, Tyler. I'm telling you this right now. I say this as a friend, but like you're you're not you're you're batting like zero right now in terms of your your takes. Uh, A fucking alligator is a dinosaur. And if your whole stance is well, it's not poisonous. I mean, neither was a fucking T Rex. T Rex. What was a T Rex's big thing? Oh, it'll eat your fucking face off. Guess what an alligator will do. I, I don't know. I just, when I look at a crocodile or alligator, it just doesn't scream dinosaur to me. Something like a Komodo dragon, like Komodo dragon. Like what, do, what does a fucking alligator look like? If you just, if you, if you took an, <laughs> if you took an alligator, right. And yep. you just, you it, like, so alligators walk flat and they're, they're parallel to the earth. If you took an alligator and just fucking bent it into an, an S shape T-Rex, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm not, I won't buy that. I'm sorry. An alligator is just a T-Rex laying down on its stomach. No, the, the alligator's legs can't support that of a it's T-Rex. A, it's like a, it's a fucking, it's a velociraptor that Which lays down that flat. One? That's like the mini T-Rex. 
I don't know. Something about the crocodile, maybe it's like the inability to go in salt water or something like that that really turns me off to them. But I don't know. I've never thought about crocodiles and alligators and feared them in that Matt capacity. Barnes. I'm going to ask Matt Barnes. Big crocodile guy? No, I just feel like he's the guy that we <laughs> we ask his opinion whenever there's a debate now. Uh, I'm gonna, all right, question for you. <laughs> um, oh, oh! I actually have some research here that I've dug into that I would like to read to the audience. Okay, it's probably from like Doctor Dickhead. If it it's it's not. Okay. It's not. Uh, Azanimals.com. Oh yeah, everyone's most reliable dinosaur resource. Crocodiles are not dinosaurs, but both crocodiles and dinosaurs came from the crown group archosaurs. Archosaurs were reptiles that included birds, crocodiles pseudosaurs and dinosaurs modern day birds are descendants of feathered dinosaurs so these are all like bitch made dinosaurs basically they're like low tier i just look at the komodo dragon and i think it's closer to what the real deal was i take a komodo dragon over a crocodile the the bitch made dinosaurs are the dead one that's true that's true that's a good point colin That's a good that point. Is a fair, that is a fair point. These ones have found a way to survive somehow, but they're yeah. doing it in because like, they're in the water. Mm. AKA whales. I'm just telling you, look up a picture of Komodo dragon and you're going to say that looks a lot more like a dinosaur than a crocodile or alligator. That's it. Just I mean, a the, simple Google search. I'm, that's all I'm that's asking. That's fine. But like that, that like, your point is kind of based around like all dinosaurs look the same. They don't. Herbivores and carnivores and omnivores are they all they all kind of look different, a little bit different. Yeah, I guess to some degree. Yeah. I don't know. What was that movie, The Land Before Time? Yeah. Those Sarah, dinosaurs Petri. did look a little bit different, didn't they? Yeah, Petri I'm looking didn't at some look pictures. Like Sarah, who didn't look like um uh what was his name? Rex? Right. But do any of them look like crocodiles or alligators? I see a couple Komodo dragons here. Um, Littlefoot. That was his fucking name. Sure was. Yeah. That's a great movie. It's a great. They movie. made like 17 of them. Yeah, nothing will beat the original, though. Who is the sharp tooth? Sharp tooth. He was the fucking he was the villain. Who I loved, by the way. That's when I knew I was I was going to grow up to be the way that I am. Yeah, that's a real dinosaur right there. Be a villain. Uh, Coley, did you know that uh, the NFL's opening week was action packed and it's getting it's just getting started? People have told me that. Yeah. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. And if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. That's a pretty good deal. Even if your fucking team loses, that's an even better deal. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That is promo code Jared, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Uh, Coley, did you just want to like, do you want to like join the show? Do you want to come on? Can you come on? Um, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> Where are you right now? Are you like taking care of a baby? I'm always taking care of a baby, but right now I'm on my couch with my phone charging. Um, so it's like I have to like lean to talk into it. So right. it's it's fine. All right, you're doing great. Um, yeah, you're doing a good job. Uh, we were actually. We we're actually going to do a little segment because um, <clears throat> the Red Sox season, as you know, uh, they, they, there's a better chance of an asteroid hitting Earth than the Red Sox making the playoffs. So we were going to, I've just been using the metaphor of the arc and who I want to put on this arc to take with me to the 2023 Red Sox baseball season. Uh, I've already informed uh, Caleb Ort that he's not invited on the arc. He's not that's invited. Funny. Um, so I think we were just going to go through the roster and and pick and choose who's, who's invited. Can I just add some context to Caleb Ort being garbage, by the way? Sure. So he's thrown 21 and a third innings this season. He's put 41 runners on base over that stretch. So he is like really everything else that's been trotted out in middle relief that just can't help but walk guys, hit guys, or give up a bunch of hits. He fits right in with the Ryan Braziers, the Hirokazu Sawamoras, the Austin Davises of the world. So Thank you, Caleb. We appreciate you coming over in the Rule 5, obviously the minor league portion. You're no Garrett Whitlock. Keep it moving. I mean, Garrett Whitlock isn't even Garrett Whitlock right now. I guess. Yeah. No, he's not. By the way, uh, not going fishing with Garrett Whitlock tomorrow. Oh, no. Yeah. Schedule conflict. Nothing health related? No. Good. No, I was told it was a schedule issue. Um. <clears throat> All right, shall we begin? Let's do it. Um, Abraham Almonte. Go home. That's where we begin. Well, I mean, I'm assuming this is uh, in alphabetical order. He's swimming. Yeah, he's not allowed. Uh, uh, It's nothing personal. It's just... He doesn't have an invite. I mean, he he could end up finding a way there, but... This is, we're we're tight on space. Yeah, he he's like the 2022 version of uh, Scott Pudsudnik in 2012. Sure. Thank you. We appreciate you coming here. Sure. You know, Scott Pudsudnik was a better ball player in his prime, but otherwise, no. Mm-hmm. Let's have some a couple nice moments, and you fill in when someone goes down. That's all. Also, we unfortunately, you're you're just a guy. That's it. You're a guy, but not like Christian Arroyo, who's he's a guy. Christian Arroyo, you are invited on the arc. I feel like that's a universal yes. Easily. After what he's done to run Homer in this series as well, continuing to hit despite a utility role, mm-hmm. and now getting comfortable at first base again, mm-hmm. checks every box. Matt Barnes. He just texted me back. All right. That's so, that's so weird. It's a question for you. What was the question? Oh, uh, uh, would you consider... Do you think... How do I phrase the question? Do you think that alligators are dinosaurs that just are not extinct? What's closer to yeah, a dinosaur, like, Komodo or alligator? No, no, no. Fuck, fuck that. What did you say, Coley? I think what you said is fine. Do you think 
that alligators are actually just dinosaurs that are that survived extinction. Have that dog in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, Matt Barnes, does anyone is anyone going to not give him a spot on the arc after the performance that he's put on the second half? Talking to you, Coley. Coley? Yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to every single year complain about the bullpen and then keep bringing back the guy that inevitably gets complained about every year, I don't know why we're even having a 2023 season. So you're not inviting Matt Barnes in the arc? Listen, we're we're gonna end up doing this, and it's gonna be like, oh, we've got twenty four of the twenty six roster spots filled. Like that's not gonna be good enough. I don't. I don't think, think Matt Barnes has been good. an issue. Second half of the season, he's been really good. Again, that's a not completely true. He's that is completely true. Than, no, it's not. Jake, is that completely true? Time. Feels true to me. That's but pretty it, true. I think it's how, many, sub- how many meltdowns has he had in the second half this year? One. That's the that's the bar. Yeah, I mean, how many? I, I, the opposite of a meltdown would be that he had a pretty good fucking outing. The only time, like, the only thing that comes to mind are outings where he gets pulled, where he puts like base runners on, but they don't even fucking score. Yeah, since coming off the IL, thirteen and two thirds, two sixty three ERA, two ninety seven FIP, holding guys to yeah, under a seven hundred OPS. And on the season, which I don't know why we're erasing the entire season, he was hurt. He, was he hurt. wasn't himself. He's awesome. Like, He's a, yeah, what are you talking? He's got a five. He's got a five four, right now for the season. Yeah, but we were talking in the second half. I, you were. If, I it, if it's if it were flip flopped, and I'm gonna sit here and be like, oh yeah, like like last year. Last year was flip flopped. Like this year is a is almost a reverse 2021 for Matt Barnes. If he was an all star in the first half and then he sucked in the second half, then we'd be having a different conversation. But he's been really good in the second half and he sucked in the first half, and so he, that means that he. He either got healthy or he fixed some things or whatever. Um, so two years ago, he had a 4-3. Last year, he had a 3-8. year before that, he had a 3-8. Just kind of what he is. Um, I'm not, he's going to be 33. I'm not, I don't know who's going to take his contract. I think that's the biggest problem with it. He said in some form, yes. That, that alligators... I- I think we're looking at this the wrong way. Like Pat Light clearly doesn't care about this show. Matt Barnes was obviously much better than Pat Light. I think I think there's a roster spot here. He contributes more to both both the Boston Red Sox and this <laughs> podcast than Pat Light. I, I mean, if if Matt Barnes said, "Hey, I've had my fill. I'm hanging it up," I would gladly uh, bring Matt Barnes on this podcast full time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Pat. Pat just. I mean, it's football season. He's a bar owner, and he's probably drunk. Let's be honest. Where I'm concerned was he was so proud and showboating so heavy that he had made, what, five episodes in a row? And then I think this is the fourth one in a row he's missed. He's kind of completely destroyed all his momentum. Right. Like, no one cares about your five... Like, if you had, like, a five-game hitting streak, no one cares if, like, the bulk of your season is hitless. Or if you had a five-game hitting streak and then you didn't get a hit for the next five games, you're right back to where you started. Right. If not worse. Get, please get help, Pat. Yeah, please. 
Uh, Jake, is Matt Barnes, does he have an, uh, an open invite on your arc? Yeah, backpacks is for sure on it. 100%. I don't, know, it's just, I don't know what Coley's personal grudge is against Matt Barnes, but it's disgusting. Considering you're not paying him ninth inning money, you're paying him eighth inning money, I don't think anyone's hoping Matt Barnes is ever going to be ninth inning Matt Barnes again. Obviously, that's just not a level he can he was reach. fucking ninth inning Matt Barnes today. See that he game? was. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the high 90s stuff that was popping last year, we haven't seen that. But if you're telling 95, me 95, 96 with a fastball today, but, you know, a year ago, we were seeing 97, 98. It was climbing, right? I think mm-hmm. we have someone in Matt Barnes. He's picked up, I think, three saves now since coming off the I.L. No one's He's what he was it. before. Totally. He's what he was before. That's all you need for Matt Barnes. Mm-hmm. Be a seventh, eighth inning guy that they can use. Start throwing the change up more just to fuck with you. Yeah, just don't break him. Don't run him into the ground like you've mm-hmm. continued to do throughout his entire career. You have to monitor him, obviously. You give yourself some depth in the bullpen. You won't start killing relievers like you've done for multiple years in a row now. Mm-hmm. Like you did to Adam Ottavino last year where, hey, look when his usage is actually a little bit more in line with the Mets this year. He's a lot closer to first half Adam Ottavino of last year. Adam Ottavino. That was a weird one. <clears throat> uh, what's this asshole's first name? Is it Ed, is it pronounced Edward? Yeah. Bizardo? It's pronounced yeah. Edward? No. It's <laughs> it's it's Eduardo without the O. That's not how you spell Edward. So how would you what say would... Eduardo without the O? Edward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edward. Edward Bizardo. Ed, oh, so it is Edward. He's not on the arc. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. That that no. is the correct pick. No, uh, Brian Bayo, an obvious yes. Uh, Xander Bogarts. Do we want to discuss the fucking report from last night as part of the, as part of this, or is that going to be its own discussion? The Dave Dombrowski uh, yeah. connection. Do we want? Do we want? I think we should save that for after this. I agree. Well, that's going to be its own fucking thing. Xander Bogarts. Yes, you have a spot on the arc. Uh, Ryan Brazier. Get out. Cole? Yeah, I was early to this one. People told me I was crazy when I was like, I don't trust Brazier about two months ago. And now everyone seems to agree. Mm. Jake? I don't even want him on like a lifeboat next to the <laughs> Ark. <laughs> <laughs> seems fair. Uh, Cassis. Cassis! Uh, obviously, Franchi Cordero. I mean, I feel like this is this is a difficult decision for Coley unless he's just like an automatic slam dunk. Yes. Yeah, I don't know why it would be difficult. You just laid out the argument for me. If, if a guy has a really strong first half and then struggles in the second half, we ignore that, right? That's what you just said. I don't think he had a really strong anything. Uh, he he hit for two months. He hit for two months. Let's not ignore that. Do what? I have to go pull up the, the stats, stat where he was basically in line with Mike Trout? <laughs> when was this, May? No, May this and June. June. This was late June. He was like legitimately in terms of um, like isolated power, like the top of the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think Franchi's done. I don't understand if this were. Let me think like a, a Cody Ross type, a guy who you could put it. I don't know, all nine positions, and he doesn't even say a word. He, he throws his body on the line, almost breaks his leg. But he's not good at shitty. any of them. That's not true. What position is Franchi Cordero good at? 
I'm comfortable with him in the outfield. I'd like for him to have one outfield. He's literally in a hospital because he can't play the outfield. Uh, he's in a hospital because of that horrible outfield wall with no warning track. Uh, so, so I will fight that if we recall the Houston collision when he attempted to catch that ball going into the wall and instead of throwing his glove, just tackled the wall, mm-hmm. just completely went right straight into it head first. I'm not like going to sit here and say it's it's an automatic slam dunk. No, that I would I would not invite Franchi on the arc. But. It's probably the toughest call. I, I, I so far. I, I mean, unless someone else comes up, or I'm like, eh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely. Is there anyone more beloved on this arc by the other people being on the arc? That's a fair. That's not a bad point from Coley. Like Kike Hernandez, I think it was with he interacted with your tweet, right, Jared? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. for a guy to step out and personally be like this guy, like he is an amazing teammate. We know he's been responsible for the celebrations as well. I think you just got to play the game in your head, right? So let's project the bench. It's Christian Arroyo. Let's say it's one of you know Maguire or Wong or whatever. Rob Ref Snyder. Mm-hmm. We haven't got that far, but let's picture that world. You need one more guy to fill out that bench. Someone who can presumably give you a little help maybe in the outfield as well, but at another position too. Mm. Let me let me ask you this, Jared. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's the bottom of the ninth, the bases are loaded. Your your batter just got stung by a bee in the eye. You can no longer bat. Mm-hmm. You have two guys on the bench. Mm-hmm. You have Bob, and you've got Franchi. Oh, tell me genuinely who you feel better grabbing a bat and coming to the dish. Genuinely. Is, not, the, is not the pitcher power. is the pitcher right handed or left handed? They're going to change the pitcher for whatever. They're going to bring in a righty for a lefty, a lefty for a righty. Doesn't the pitcher have to announce first? This B is making demands after he stung <laughs> the batter. In the so both will be right. 28 next season as well. Um, these are our two fastest guys, too. By the way, which we may need to get fixed. Hmm. Uh, that's a that's a difficult. That's a way more difficult question than I think I thought it would be going in. I, I it really depends on the day. Like I don't think it's a <laughs> I don't think it's like an ability thing. I don't think it's a mental makeup thing. I think it truly depends on the day. <clears throat> because like if you're I guess the, they're both really hard contact guys. So like that's that would be if you're if you're talking about two dudes who strike out a ton, which they both do, then you would pick the guy where it's like, I want the guy that hits the ball the hardest because even if he, even if it's like at someone, there's a chance I might kill him. So he could still get on base. I guess who hits the ball harder is now the question. And that's Franchi. Right. Like the odds of either one of them putting the ball in play are super low. But if someone gets the bat on it, I think Bob has the higher home run potential, but I think Franchi has the higher hit potential. So I pick Franchi. Yeah. And I think that's genuinely what it's going to come down to in terms of roster construction. Like I think that's like an actual debate time to have internally. And I think, I think Franchi also has the higher potential to walk. For sure. Bob's Neither up there hacking at whatever the fuck is thrown his way. 
absolutely neither of them are going to end up walking in this situation. But yeah, they, that, I guess the potential does exist more for Franchi. Definitely. Yeah, Franchi's the answer. Uh, so yes, Franchi's on the arc. Uh, Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford started off pretty damn good. Like, oh shit, like to the Red Sox. Like, is there, is this a guy? I, I, now, I'm not going to say he's not a guy. I just don't know if he's a guy. I think based on what he was able to do in the rotation, obviously he got hit up a little bit before he ended up going on the IL with this shoulder impingement. But for him to go from where he was at the beginning of the year, getting absolutely smashed out of the bullpen to being a serviceable starter, better than a serviceable starter for almost a two-month span, I think he's earned enough to be on the roster. Am I considering him for a rotation spot? Hell no. But would I hate if he's one of your longer guys out of the bullpen to give you something like two innings? I think he fits that role pretty well. Yeah, sure. I'll let him on. Coley? I'm, I'm playing the game where we kind of just played like, is it, do I trust him or Winkowski more? And I trust, I trust him. Way Same more. here, easily. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, that, I'm giving you two answers there. Yeah. Uh, Bob? I think if we already took Franchi, then Bob needs to be uh, shipped out to another boat to ride on. Is there an affiliated smaller arc behind us? <laughs> like a little tugboat? Yeah. You want to you make him tugboat Bob? Yeah. How many people are allowed on this tugboat? Three. Okay. Because I think there's someone else that I'm probably going to put on the tugboat then if it's only allowed three. Is it Barnes? No. No. Barnes is very much on, on the arc. Yeah, tugboat Bob. Tugboat Bob. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of like uh, we don't want to leave you behind. But if you're on the tugboat, then there's a chance that you can get on the arc or you're still, you're still coming with us. It's just, it's just a small tugboat. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think he's just right now is in a fucking terrible spot. Like you've got, we'll get to Eric Hosmer in a little bit, but you get to Eric Hosmer and Franchi and now Casas, where does, where does Bob fit here? So, I, I mean, I don't even think it's like a, you know, do you want him or not? I, I don't think that he's, I don't think he's going to be on the dock when we're loading up the arc. I think Delbuck just needs every day at bat somewhere. And yes. I just don't think it's here. I, I think that's it. I, do I think he's going to be some spectacular ball player? No, but I, I think he can be a second division regular. You know what I mean? I, does he have something like a Travis Shaw season in him? I bet he does, where it can kind of all click for one year like he did for two months last year. But, you know, he's got back down to AAA. He's hitting 353 down there. So, like, it clicked once he got there in five games. He just needs to play every day. And the K rate's down to 15%, which we all know in the big leagues, he K's at a ridiculous 33% rate this past year. So, like, you get him down to AAA, he can mash his... Send him somewhere like Oakland where, you know, there's not a million eyes. He's not getting absolutely killed by the media. And some team will let him take his bumps and bruises as he develops into a 
you know, fringy major league player that will have a good year here and then probably a really down year the next year. I could see him in Philly. That's what they They're, need. That's what they get it done. They to need guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, dipshit Danish. No chance. Fuck. Out. No. no chance. Uh, Jalen Davis. I mean, nothing no. against them, but I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's not somewhere like he definitely has to come. I'll throw him in the same category as Abraham Almonte. Yeah. Like you're just a guy. Uh, Rafael Devers, the Jeter Downs. At best, it's a tugboat defensive replacement, but even that's bold. I just, he can't hit. He hasn't been able to hit at AAA. Obviously, he's been injured recently, but, uh, you know, two extended stints now at AAA. Can't hit the ball. It's just the reality of the situation. He K's a ridiculous amount. It was fun when he came up this year and he had a nice moment or whatever. We all knew it was way too soon even then, but there's a reason he's not, you know, anywhere close to a top 20 prospect with the Red Sox right now. Yeah. Uh, it's a no for me. I think I think when you talk about identifying your prospects that are going to become guys at your big league level, I I think it's a pretty universal stance that he it's a no. Especially when you have someone like Christian Arroyo on your bench. Yeah. Correct. Cole, is it a no for you? I mean, yeah, he, he's not on the major league arc. I don't is he in danger of getting rule five? Like is is he just isn't it something like the double the amount of players are available in, in Rule Five this year because definitely, of, yeah. So like, I think you can only protect the same as you would have, but more are now available because of the the lost twenty twenty season. Something like that. Well, no, last last year there just was no Rule Five draft. <clears throat> yeah, so. Yeah, there's, but I mean, there's potential to gain from that, but there's also a lot of potential to lose from that. So that's why it's just know, like, everyone was talking about Jay Groom and that trade. It's like, who gives a fuck? Like he, he wasn't going to get protected anyway. And the Red Sox were going to probably lose him in the rule five. So why not get something for him? Right. Like, like you're talking, he's played 180 games at AAA and he hit 193. I think you can argue with the Red Sox and how they handled him. Did they go about it the wrong way? Probably. I think it was an aggressive assignment putting him at AAA. I think as a whole, the Red Sox made some issues with the ATS in 2020 and overvaluing it. But this is what it is. He just can't catch up. He strikes out way too much. And basically everything that you feared when they traded for Jeter Downs, he became. He improved defensively. It's probably really the only reason he's still sticking around. Because he can actually play shortstop at probably a slightly above average level. Yeah. Yeah. But when Uh, he... When he came here, he was supposed to be the most, you know, easy to project second base prospect. He was supposed to be the simplest, least worried kind of guy you had to follow. Just didn't happen. And he's 24. So, like, it's not like we're not talking about like a. I mean, I, 24, 24 is getting a little old to be a prospect. Jaron Duran. <clears throat> nope. Not so. So that was who I had in mind when I said someone else for the tugboat. Fuck no! You don't even want him on the tugboat. No. What's he good at? Baseball wise, what's he good at? Speed. It's not like a baseball skill. 
Uh, I mean, and, he and, can hit triple A. What, what, Tyler? What's what have been his numbers since he got sent down this most recent time? They've actually been pretty good. I know he's hit two home runs. I'm pulling them up right now. Yeah, uh, I think, since he uh, got down there. But the the issue with Jaron Duran is, yeah, the speed is legit. We all know it is, but can he get on base enough to justify it? You right. know what I mean? And I think that's where the problem lies. He just hasn't shown he can get on base enough since getting, uh, you know, not to the big even, leagues. Not even like, the, not even the getting on base thing. He can't use his speed to play defense. That's actually he, a good point. That's the other a good half point. Of he, I would, I would be more inclined to keep him around if we put him back at second because he's as bad an outfielder as that. Like who, who is that? Hanley, Yohanna uh, <laughs> Suspeta. I don't know who else has been remotely that bad. It's it, those in, three. It, Nelson the Cruz. other thing. Yeah. No, I just mean Red Sox. I just, uh. I just mean like. I would have trusted Ortiz in center more than more than. <laughs> but like that's the thing with Coley there. Like the defense, unfortunately, the Red Sox told you how much they value center field defense when they went and gave Kike Hernandez ten million and got yeah. it taken care of. Now, well, guess what? There's a guy who, if you go read Alex Spears' column, and I know Coley, you must have probably been getting off on this more than anyone. Rafaela, the Red Sox evaluations on him as a prospect, as an outfielder. Some of their evaluations have him as the number two defensive outfielder in all of professional baseball. Number two, all of pro ball. We're talking big leagues and minor leagues. What? That it was crazy. I posted the whole little quote on Twitter the other day. How old is he? Raphael at this point. 20? No, I think he. Let's see. He is coming up 21 this year. Yeah. Damn. I mean, so we like, could see him next year. Yeah, he should start next year, probably in AAA if things go well. Maybe he gets a little taste of, the, you know, they keep him at Double A to see if he dominates. But he's put up a 2020 season overall with, you know, a majority of his games being up there at this point. You're talking about someone next year who, hey, if things go wrong, you can go plug someone who's already a Gold Glove caliber center fielder out there to go do the job and can play shortstop at an above average level as well. You're going to take that over Jaron Duran, who can't do anything. Mm. And at the same time, Bob and Duran, like, you know, not to be Frazier, Frazier and Andujar, but those are the guys like I'm trying. I'm hoping someone else is like, I'll give them one last shot and you can include them to finish off a package for someone. I mean, someone would want him for sure. I don't think he's one of those guys that has zero value. Just uh, how many people want a 26 year old prospect that has two failed since in the big leagues? I mean, someone that looks at the offensive numbers and sees some upside there. It's just or maybe what is someone that, worth, that has right? the, 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 if you want to put him back at second base, it's like, yeah, he stinks in the outfield, but he's got speed and we've seen the hit tool, at least at the AAA level. I mean, if he became a Dodger, he's a fucking all star. I can't imagine why the Dodgers, the Dodgers don't even know who's a live human being. <laughs> they might. No. I'm putting Duran on my tugboat with Bob. If you don't trade him, I'll keep him on the tugboat, but Rafaela will be kicking him off very soon. And I was going to say, yeah, if we can, if we can put like minor league guys on the tugboat, like that have no major league experience. Yeah. But he's got less. Than, he already has no shot in my eyes. He's got less now. Yeah, that's true. He's drowning. <laughs> he's, he's swimming. We're letting him swim alongside the boat. Uh, Nathan Valdi. Yep. What if it what if it costs you uh three years? Done. At what price? 
Mm, 17 per. Done. I think it depends on the makeup of your rotation. I think if you're putting... Depends on what you're doing with Garrett Whitlock. But like, if your rotation is something like Chris Sale, Nate Evaldi, you know, Whitlock, Bayo Pavetta, I'm nervous. There's a lot of question marks in there for me personally. Way too many. Evaldi's uh, not one of them. I think the oh. first guy you said the question Evaldi, mark. Yeah, Evaldi's in my opinion, Evaldi's a question mark at this point. He has one healthy season. Last year made everyone blind to the fact that Evaldi has been and will always be a question mark. That's not like an. I got, it's not like a cheap shot. That's just it's the reality. numbers are what they are. Like yeah, like it is what it is. Like he's you got lucky with Evaldi making as many starts as he did last year for you, and, and that's why who's he's trying better? to rush back. Who's he, been he's, better since eighteen, Evaldi or Cristo? <laughs> Evaldi. Okay, so what are we talking about? I'm not putting Evaldi in the same class of question mark as Chris Sale. It sounds like. No. no, but at the same time, you have Sale here. He's under contract for this year. If you're telling me you're going to commit three years to Evaldi, who I, I don't listen, there's a big difference in those question marks, but still another question mark when you probably should go out and get something that's a little more dependable. I think that's the argument there. Yeah. You know, like we're talking, you're going to be paying for Evaldi at 33, 34, and 35. Yeah, those aren't like, those aren't big numbers to me. Evaldi. Evaldi seems older in my mind, but I have a hard time. Like I, I have zero regret in my heart from the last Evaldi contract. He's been our like he's been thrust into being our ace when that was never his role. That and was never supposed to, to be the plan. no. Yeah, I, I, I just think if I we're agree, but he stepped up into it. He's never complained. He has velocity difficult this year. I don't know why Matt Barnes gets all these excuses, but Nate Evaldi does. That's crazy to me. Well, let's be real. You look at Nate Evaldi, 2019, that's a failed year. You know, 67 innings with a 599 ERA. 2020, good. 372 ERA. He did his job. Uh, still spent an IL stint that year. Last year, we know what he did. He was a Cy Young contender. This year, it's 99 innings with a 415 ERA. You, really, you got yeah, two I mean, good years. You got one great year, story. one good year, and two bad years. We're calling this year a bad year? Yeah, he's been hurt. He, he's only crazy. made 18 starts. That's, That's a bad year. This, this is a great year for Matt Barnes. Bad year for Nate Evaldi. <laughs> Who called no, this no, no. a great year for Matt I Barnes? I never said it was a great year for Matt Barnes. Oh, he's man, bounced back. An all-star in the second half. You called him an all-star in the second half. No, I didn't. I, did I never said that. I said he was an all-star in the first half of last year. And then you said his second half of this year is the same. That's what you compared uh, it to. No, no, no. Exactly what no, happened. I said what I said it was that a is flip flop of last year's, and it was a good second half and a bad first half. A flip flop of last year, which was a first half. That's year, that's too literal. That's too literal. If oh, I told you listening. coming into this year, Nate Avaldi made 18 starts with a 4.15 ERA, you'd tell me it was a bad year from Nate Avaldi. I'd say I was underwhelmed. But all I'm doing is basing it off what I've been told is good years for pitchers on this podcast. That's all I was reacting to. No. Well, we're talking Matt Barnes, who's already under contract for next year. Am I going to just toss him to the side when he can be a, you know, a fine seventh or eighth inning guy? Sure. Am I going to go give a multi-year deal to Nate Evaldi, who can't stay healthy, has a velocity drop this year? No. That, there's a big difference in that conversation. I trust giving contracts to Navaldi. It's worked out in the past. Last year, last time we gave him a contract, it was like, we don't even care if he pitches another inning because he lost a World Series game. That's how good of a loser he is. 
Yeah. We didn't care about, what was it, 472, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm completely, again, I also am not going to do another offseason of the Poverty Red Sox. If a three-year contract from Nate Evaldi is going to cripple us, like, fold the franchise. That's how I truly feel. That's It's an embarrassing conversation to have. He got four years, $68 million. 68, okay. Would you, Coley, would you pay of all these, say, three years at 17 before you'd pay Waka three years at 13? Hey, I don't, I, and I know you're not saying this. I don't, having that being or is again crazy for the Boston Red Sox. Agreed. I uh, think there is a way you could do both. I just think it would be too many question marks. Uh, and yeah, I, I do think that's fair. Um, it's interesting because it's like, I know Waka's got some, I saw stats he's like Waka and Patrick Corbin have very yeah. similar numbers. Uh, Red Sox stats have that. Yeah, it is. It's very true, and it's terrifying. <laughs> um, he's 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 just pitched extremely well with men on base this year, whereas mm-hmm. Corbin has not. Corbin also has maybe the worst defense in baseball history behind him, um, or at least he did until Abrams came up and started playing shortstop. So I don't. If, he turned one of the most ridiculous double plays of all time the other day. That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, Abrams is the truth. I can't remember who was close. Garcia? Who was their shortstop before? Um, doesn't matter. He's fucking stinks. The negative, like, 7,000 outs above average at shortstop this year. Um, but yeah, I would give, I would, I would lean Evaldi there. Um, I like Waka. I like what he's done. And I know last year, from pretty much from last September till now, he's been one of the better pitchers in baseball when you look at ERA and stuff like that. Those peripherals do make me nervous when it comes to. It's like I, Walker came up with this crazy pedigree in St. Louis, and I don't know if he got hurt or what, but he's bounced around the league for a while. I don't know that that's an accident. Um, whereas Valdi's always been good, he just gets hurt all the time. So it's like, would I rather a guy who gets hurt all the time but is always at least good when he's healthy versus a guy who can lose it pretty quickly? Um, and still be a question mark and also got hurt this year. So yeah, I would, I would lean a Valdi. Yeah, I, I would too, personally, when it comes to that conversation. I think for Waka, like you said, Coley, I think people are getting a little caught up at times and seeing what he's done here. It's been a great year. We all know we, we've seen it all happen. It's a 269 ERA. The FIP already has him at 362. I think even that might be generous for him moving forward. The last, this is the second year in a row his Caper 9 has dropped by more than a strikeout. So we're, you know, he's in the sevens now. And then you're saying this is a guy who hasn't started more than 24 games since 2017. So, like, if I'm going to hold Nate Evaldi to the fire here and say, like, this is a guy who struggles to stay healthy, I think Evaldi's ceiling is higher than Waka, even though Waka is a year younger than him. So, if I if I was going to dish out a couple year contract, I'd lean Evaldi before I go Waka. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I think what the Red Sox need is a true innings eater, someone they can plug in at the top of the rotation and feel confident they're going to get 30 starts out of them. And I don't think Michael Walker or Nate Evaldi is that guy. No. I mean, in a perfect world, Evaldi is your number four. Um, we're just a long ways away from that being reality. Yeah, I could accept Evaldi as your three next year and still feel like pretty good about it overall, especially if you're doing something like... I would feel great about that if Evaldi yeah. is your number three especially with the options you have and like, you'll have some options in triple a next year as well. You know, you have another year. Brian Mata should be a lot closer at that point, obviously up to triple a now, you know, getting his feet wet there. 
Brandon Walter at that point. Hopefully everything with his back figures itself out. And then, you know, Josh Winkowski is Josh Winkowski, but he's another option, I guess. Who knows? Maybe he figures no, out something over the offseason. He's not. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Kowski's. But teach him a knuckleball maybe we can talk about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but like that that's where i am i think yeah if of all these you're number three and you kick whitlock to the bullpen and you say hey stay there we're going to keep you dominant i like Definitely i could imagine that plan to feel very good who the fuck could have watched the boston red sox this season and been like you know what you know what the solution is right here it's whitlock to the rotation okay see no. what upsets me I, and I tweeted this out the other day and like people were frigging jumping off bridges like I, I was in shock. Like the idea of Garrett Whitlock being in the rotation is so foreign and crazy at this point. Do it's I think there's a re- a terrible idea? I, I think there's a fair argument to that, especially considering he can't walk too straight these days. He's walks like an old man around the clubhouse, they say. Still don't know why he's pitching this year if he's walking like that, but that's a whole nother situation. I think when it comes to Whitlock, the Red Sox have told you what they think of Garrett Whitlock. They want him to be in the rotation moving forward. I just, I, I can't. Not what, what you I, want, Jared. Not what you want, what you think the Red Sox will do. I'm just saying, I, I, I have to think that the Red Sox were like, let's try it out. They tried it out. It didn't work. Why would you do it again? Because See, think about, think about like, the first two months of this season and how much different the entire year would have felt if you had just kept Whitlock in the bullpen the entire time. Like how many more games would you have won? 10, which, yes, which, was, which is so frustrating because that was their plan. Like the reason everything made sense to some degree in the bullpen was if Chris Sale never goes down before spring training, it's Tanner Houck's in the back of that bullpen. It's Garrett Whitlock in the back of that bullpen. When Sale went down and you pulled Houck out, everything went out of whack. And then Whitlock gets pulled in because of Houck and the vaccination status. That was the whole kind of downfall of you. I think if you're able to keep everyone in that bullpen, at least, are they great? Probably not, but they're steady enough. You know, you're still going to have the same issues with Matt Barnes or whatever it may be. But I don't know. I think with Whitlock, acting like it was a disaster. No, it was a 415 ERA at 361 FIP. It, it was, was a, a 361 FIP. It was a fail. At the time, Whitlock wasn't healthy those last couple starts. That's the reality of the situation. He was limping Even still, around. Like, if you just look beyond like what the ERA was and how many games the Red Sox won or whatever, like his he just wasn't as dominant. Like that's a fail. No. Like if you if you take a wipeout fucking slider and cut the strikeout rate in half, like what the fuck's the point? Like you can have a dominant reliever or a pedestrian slash mediocre starter you can get a mediocre starter anywhere all right jared would you take garrett with lock if he turned into eduardo rodriguez or would you rather have him as a relief option a dominant reliever i'm just asking way more valuable to me as a dominant reliever because we saw like how important that was it was how glaring it was to not have him in the bullpen versus like they 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 lost just about every game he fucking started. They I I would love to see, and I I I used to know the number at the time what the Red Sox record was in Garrett Woodlock starts this year. I think they won maybe one game. Yeah, and I think that's the question. Like you can go back to moments. Everyone remembers the Angels start where, dude, we were watching that before. Who did he give up the home run? I can't even remember who it was. It was fucking too. Max Stassi. Yep, that's who it was. Right into the monster. And he dominated that. Like what we saw the first couple innings was ridiculous. I'm just, am I curious? Do I still think Garrett Whitlock could be a good mid-rotation starter? I do. It's just based on roster construction and where you're at. I think the right move for you is to keep him in the bullpen going into next year. But 
I don't I don't think the Red Sox are going to do that. And I think their contract to him proves that. And I think the fact that they were willing to jeopardize their season and cling on to it for as long as they did to try and basically make themselves look right or somewhat right. That's where it stands, because the analytic model will tell you they will take the more innings from the starter than the dominant reliever. I'll, I'll just I'm not, I'm not saying it. I agree with that, but that that's the analytical mindset. All this talk about Garrett Whitlock to the rotation makes me need to take some CBD MD. I'll tell you that right now. I just need to chill out. Gets gets my blood boiling. It's a very dumb idea, and I hope that it never we never see it again. <clears throat> not that not that bullpen Whitlock has been outstanding uh, recently either. Uh, he, I, I think we stopped using the word cheat code with Garrett Whitlock, but that's not to say that he won't come back to that. Maybe he's hurt. Sounds like he is. So maybe definitely is. An off season of recovery uh, could do him some good, but I will say this: CBDMD. They are the leaders in hemp-based CBD and Delta Nine THC products. These guys have everything you could possibly need to just straight up feel better. And their latest breakthrough is Delta Nine THC. These sneaky innovators found a way to get these Delta Nine THC products shipped directly to your door, directly to your door. Which is great and super convenient. Uh, now, some restrictions may apply because, of course, they do. So, check your local laws before purchasing. But I'm telling you, this stuff is the real deal. They've got gummies packed with 10 milligrams of THC, perfect for winding down after watching the Sox blow yet another lead, which they didn't do today because Matt Barnes, Matt motherfucking Barnes, bad pack, locked that shit down in the ninth inning. If 10 milligrams sounds like a lot to you, CBDMD has you covered with their microdose soft gels with just one milligram of THC. These little guys pack a punch that is perfect for all-day support whenever and wherever you need it the most. Don't get all caught up in the technicalities. This is the same THC that you've come to know and love over the years, just extracted from hemp. I'm probably going to pop some of these right after we're done doing this podcast. Probably chill out. Actually, you know what I, I just got? Have you heard of Shudder? What's up? It's like uh, Netflix, but it's only horror movies. Hmm. Yeah. So I just got that. So I've just been... I've just been burning through those. I'm going to do some uh, CBDMD and some shutter after this. To learn more about Delta 9 and everything else CBDMD has to offer, just head to CBDMD.com. Once again, that is CBDMD.com for information, education, and the best damn gummies that you've ever had. Must be 21 years or older to purchase Delta 9. Um, okay, where were we? So that everyone's a yes on Nathan Avaldi, Jake? Yeah, I want him on the arc. Yeah, I bet you do. Would you give him the QL? Uh, I'd throw it as well. I would. I think, yeah, I yeah, I think that that increases. If if you intend to sign him to a multi year deal, I think you'd do it. I don't think that you, I don't. If you give him the qualifying offer, I don't think the plan should be to bring him back on a one year deal. He's like the third best pitcher available. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't bring him back on a one-year deal. I would be like, all right, we'll, we're going to make you less enticing to other teams. And more. In, and if he said, I want to be here, and the Red Sox want him here, I think they make him a qualifying offer, and you figure out a way to, to what's the AAV for, for a three-year deal. I think they get that done. And I think the other thing is his role in that dugout and on that staff. All I've heard about Brian Bayo and like his progress has been connected to Nate Valdi. Like, working with him in between starts and kind of talking things through. There hasn't really been that guy around. I'm not betting on Chris Sale to be that guy either. Who knows what could happen with him next year? 
you need someone who can be a veteran voice in that kind of situation. And if you are keeping Whitlock back, you can still go get another top tier arm and really make a rotation that can compete with what's else is in the AL East at the moment. Jerry's mm-hmm. Familia. That's a no across the board. Um, Shouldn't be here today. Nope. Darwin's and Hernandez. I feel like that Fuck should no. be a no across the board. Yeah. Get out. Coley. I'd put him on that tugboat before fucking Duran. He's mm-hmm. Jake Diekman, but worse. No, thank you. Yeah, he just he's just not not a good pitcher. Like I'm not no, gonna he, say that he doesn't have like velocity and he's got giddy up on the fastball, but who gives a shit when you have no idea where it's going? And then you ended up fucking walking a guy, walking two guys, so now you're just aiming the ball and then you end up middle middle and it's in the fucking seats for a three run home run. The the concept of Darwin's and Hernandez is better than Darwin's and Hernandez. Yeah. The idea of Darwin's and Hernandez is great. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, but then you watch him pitch and you're like, you, you don't even have a spot on the tugboat. Kike uh, Hernandez is an automatic yes for everyone. Uh, Rich Hill. I feel like he said he still wants the pitch, but I feel like that, like it's nothing personal, but I feel like they just, like he was a nice stopgap arm in the rotation for this year. He, he was, let's be real. He wasn't supposed to still be in the rotation at this point in the year. If everything worked out with Bayo and Chris Sale. We know what this rotation would have looked like right now. Um, and he wants to come back in like June or July, Roger Clemens style. I don't, maybe someone will be willing to do that who's desperate in the middle of the year and you can throw him out there to eat some innings and kind of throw out whatever he has left in his arm. But I don't think here's the right spot for that. Coley. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, okay. Eric Hosmer. Yes. If yeah. he, I think he he's a great mentor for Casas as uh, alumni from the same high school, first baseman, lefties. Uh, Hosmer's Reverse been there, done that. Yeah, like I, Eric Hosmer definitely has a spot in the arc for me. I, I like Hosmer if, you know, am I telling, am I saying you're going to get rid of him if you can't figure out a deal for him? No. Uh, you know, I'd still take him. It's just, can he really make sense for you in a bench role? I think there's better ways to go about that. Um, like, is he going to get a lot of bats at DH? Would that kind of be the idea there? I think probably going into next year, the best value, you can trade a guy on the minimum who's still, you know, a league average to slightly about, above average league first baseman. I think that has more value on the market than it does to the Red Sox at this point. Yeah. And that's probably like ultimately how this ends is you, you bring him back for next year. You get him in the mix as much as you can. Um, and I mean, I don't even know, like what's his injury right now? Uh, it, it's a back injury. He's having a disc problem. And the thing that came out today from the globe was that it seems he's completely stopped baseball activities. He's probably not going to, be back this year it's very low percentage yeah and it kind of felt that way anyway like it almost felt like yeah do you want the rest of the year off like that's it's cool with us i mean we got you can mentor like they're basically paying him to like mentor tristan Cassis. i i just i don't know i f- have a hard time picturing i think the way the red Sox want to use the dh next year is funneling everyone through it i think in a perfect world devers will get time there to help keep him healthy Trevor's story. It'll be a way for Christian Arroyo to get at bats and you can kind of filter through. I think they're disgusted with partially 
you know, no offense to JD, but he, you know, he can't play the outfield at this point. He just, he, he really restricts you on this roster. Any outfield this year. And, and listen, him crying about it the other day, saying that's one of the reasons for him struggling. Spare me. That, he that, said that? Yes. He, he yeah, legit he complained about, he was like, you know, I can't get my rhythm. Stop it, JD. The fact that you can't catch up to a fastball anymore, that's nobody's problem but your own. The, the fact that your power is gone is nobody's fault the, the, like besides your own. The fact that you where thought you could go this? play outfield where you'd get hurt. He's got hurt playing out there the last couple of years, and they've been scared ever since. I mean, he got hurt running out to the outfield. Yeah, tripping over second base. He has back spasms and, just walking to the plate. And they're only making the bases bigger. So, like, he's got more <laughs> He's got more landmines out there that he's just waiting to trip on. Yeah. I, where, I think it was with Brad Foe, by the way. Did you say it to Bray? He, I think it was Bradford. Wow. I, that's surprising because his numbers last year were glaringly better as a DH <laughs> versus when he played in the outfield. Like like two different players. Like it was he was terrible. Like he just didn't hit when he played in the field. Yeah, he, JD Martinez in the outfield. Yeah, J.D. Martinez in the outfield last year is J.D. Martinez this year. Yeah, he had like a six-something OPS as an outfielder and a nine-something OPS as a DH. Wild take. That's That's crazy. Yeah, that's a Scott Boris uh, message you're sending out there to hope someone stupid falls for it. Yeah, and by the way, that's not the last time that you'll hear that name on this podcast tonight. Mm. Scott Boris, that was seemingly around the Red Sox on Friday, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, Hosmer, that's a yes. Tanner Houck, that's an obvious yes from everybody. Yep. Zach Kelly, that's a, that's whoa. That you. That's a, are you are you balking at the idea of putting Tanner Houck on the arc, Coley? As an obvious yes. Yeah. What Xander, Xander, Raphael Devers. These are obvious. Like Trevor Story. These are obvious yeses. Tanner Houck is not in the same category as those people. I would agree uh, that he's not in the same category as those guys, but he's, I mean, I, I don't think that anyone would look at Tanner Houck and be like, yeah, no, fuck that guy. I don't want him on the I team. I didn't say year. that either. It's like if we, we've talked with a little bit more nuance about fucking Abraham Almonte, Tanner Houck just gets an automatic yes. The guy who truly is not a team player, like just isn't like that. When did the season go poorly? When him and Duran didn't go to Toronto. That's when it went down. That's exactly when the season turned. That is kind I don't of, know that that's kind of true. And yeah. even even removing that part from the equation, because that won't be a thing forever. That is also he, uh, like a narrative. Like, automatic. like, yes, what you're saying is right. The season took a turn when that happened, but that's also when the schedule became like holy fuck yeah i agree i would like my better players to play when the schedule gets tough not stop playing yeah i told you we wouldn't see duran after that and we really haven't he had one more stretch i think he homered his first game back against cleveland no chicago no against the cubs that's right um but yeah he he hasn't recovered from that how's got a back problem right is that what he's got he's got back surgery fucking like yeah it's like spinal surgery like what the fuck's up with that uh I'm going to butcher it's a lumbar disectomy. Uh, there was a doctor who spoke. He's getting a vasectomy? S- no, yeah, a disectomy, like with a D. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, apparently, he'll be full go for spring training. But I think with Tanner Houck, let's be real, the Red Sox stabilized when he became the closer. Like, that's when the team really hit its stride during that hot stretch. 
to have a weapon like that out of the bullpen, whatever way you want to put it, especially depending on what happens with Garrett Whitlock, you're not going to have too many guys who can give you six outs if you need six outs. And he was successful in that closing spot. He wasn't a disaster out there by any means. You know, if you can't trust Matt Barnes, probably con- or closing consistently. Tanner Houck showed he could close consistently for you. Would I want him I to be the ninth inning guy next year? But I think he's a late inning arm at the very least. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. It's just like, this is what you're for, Tanner Houck? And it, it's always, it's just always something. And I'm not saying all of it's his fault. Some of it for sure is. It's just always something. They've bounced him around. They've had him start. They've had him come out of the pen. There's times he looks like the best pitcher in baseball. And then there's other times where he doesn't. Uh, I don't, I just don't think he's like, if he can, again, we, we all agree the bullpen needs to be fixed. Is he an answer? Probably. Does he, like, he hasn't killed his value like Duran has. I think if he, if you can move him for another cost controlled arm, I think it's worth exploring. But for now, since we're not really getting into that, yeah, he's on the arc. He's just not automatic. Damn. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. You look his first 146 innings in the big league, big leagues. It's a 302 ERA, 295 FIP. I I, just, I did not expect to have this conversation about Tanner Houck. I thought that was a pretty easy one. He, he will be in the bullpen moving forward. <laughs> I, I think if anything, yeah. this injury tells you the Red Sox didn't believe him as in a star or believe in him being a starter last year, trying to push him through saying, hey, two times through the lineup and we can't do any more. Now, after succeeding right. in the that bullpen, so I think that's where he'll sit. I get it. Like when it's like, if you want to say that, to, if it's a universal philosophy, but when it's like, uh, he's special, he's a starter, but he only sees the lineup twice. It's like, ah. like it makes it hard to even look forward to like his start day. Cause it's like, well, you know that it's going to end abruptly. Or before you would hope, like there's no like hope for seven innings today. Just, just think, yeah, just think in your head how they're willing to push Brian Bayo like they did on Friday. Terry yeah. Hulk never got that luxury one time ever. No. He said no way. He'd Didn't they out. fucking pull him with a no hitter? I mean, that, that, I granted that was what that was the that was that series in D.C. where they had to like basically win every single game to get into the playoffs. But whatever, I don't fucking care. Uh, Zach Kelly. Yeah, why not? That's like a yeah, why not? He's honestly, I've been pretty impressed since he came up and kind of did his thing. Five of his six outings have been scoreless. At least one strikeout in five of those six outings. And he's only walked a guy in two out of six. That's what I'm looking for. You don't put a lot of guys on. You're missing bats. Sure, come pitch the sixth and seventh inning. Or sixth and, you know, seventh is maybe pushing a little bit if he can earn that trust. But mid-relief, perfect. Coley? This isn't something I care about one way or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> Already 27, we'll be 28 next year. Like, I feel like you can find that guy. Just the next the next name, I feel like, is going to... There's going to be a conversation. Or maybe there isn't. Maybe there's not going to be much of a conversation. Um, that is Julio Daniel Martinez. I think it's one of those things where if this were, uh, if this were like a television show and we were... We were we had a cast of characters here and we were we are actually building the arc. And there was a guy, not to say that he's like old and breaking down and decrepit, but for the character and storyline's sake, I think JD would be the character of just like he's he's the old man in the village, and it's like, well, do we take him? We gotta we gotta take up <laughs> a spot. Like he's probably gonna die of old age anyway. Like he's probably not gonna make it. 
Like if we, like we could take someone else and use that spot. Once we leave the dock, we can't go back and bring someone else. We only have so many spots. He's probably going to die on the way over there. So why waste the spot? That's, that's kind of how this feels with JD. Like why, why give him a spot on the arc knowing that the Red Sox probably have, I don't want to say no interest, but very little interest in bringing him back next year. I think it was pretty telling when no one really made a, a genuine effort to trade for him at the deadline. Well, uh, in fairness, I think I think it was the reports were that the Red Sox were asking for the fucking moon for him. So I don't stupid. think that it was no one a, wanted him. The reports were they were asking for the Mets prospect who the Mets didn't even want to bring up till yesterday. Mark Vientos the reports. Right. So I don't is that the moon a guy that the Mets who have been struggling for a month? Didn't want to. We well, didn't want to call up this guy who could have helped them. I don't know if that was necessarily the moon um, from other teams. Yeah, I'm sure they asked for more, but I don't. Does JD have no trade likely. protection? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I see. I feel like we would have heard about that leading up to the deadline. Mm-hmm. You think you would have said no to the Mets to get the fuck out of here? Limited no trade protection may block deals to three clubs annually. I'm guessing they're shitbag teams. I mean, they could be like guys will put the best teams on their no trade list to use as uh, leverage. I, I think with JD, let's be real, since June 1st, it's 229, 303, 359, 661. 84 weighted runs created plus. So 16% below league average is a bat. Can't play defense. Uh, looks worse by the day. Just not driving the ball anymore. Has missed multiple times throughout this year with back spasms or something that's not right with him. And he's not playing the field. I love you, JD. Love you. Did great on this contract. You did everything. You were an all star this year. You got super hot at the beginning of the year. He has like a 350 BABIP this year. So, like, he's having luck on balls on the ground as well. There's just nothing there for me really to want to cling on. And I'm not giving him a QO. Hell no. And I think that goes back to the trade deadline and where, yeah, he's going to walk and you're going to get nothing. But it is what it is. Yeah, you can't give him the hero. He'll probably take it. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. So I think it's one of those things where you just treat the arc as if it's the qualifying offer and you just don't make it. Bar. I think all things considered, it was maybe the most successful uh, 9K. The what? The most successful nine-figure signing, free agent signing in Red Sox history. Yeah. You just call it a day. You say, thank you. Well, we'll see you at, more we'll successful see you than Manny? Yeah, that would be the one I'd put ahead. Yeah. I, it's hard to say. It was Manny? It was nine figures, wasn't it? It was 160. Was it that high? Yeah. yeah, I think it was like 160 over eight. Manny's just ended so... Like, Manny obviously had much higher highs. Manny's one of the greatest hitters of all time, but like he almost refused to leave Pawtucket because he liked the, the barber down there. He wasn't even getting haircuts. He just liked hanging out with his barber down at Pawtucket so much. And that yeah. was two years before they traded him. He got eight for like 160. 
there was some some tremendous downs uh, at the end of Mandy's. But the highs were high. The highs were incredible. I mean, you can yeah. make the case for JD that the, the lows have been low. Like 2020, not good. Like this year, I mean, I don't want to say mixed bag. I'm not holding 2020 against anyone. JD still is what second in the AL in doubles. Like his power is the same by any means. But like you said, he was an all star this year. He's not driving the ball. He's not catching up with fastballs like he once was. He's still a serviceable bat. Like he's not going to not get a deal to drop You know what I mean? Yeah. Some team will want him. And I think the Red Sox have made it clear that they are not that team. Like he basically said, hey, I want to retire here. Give me two years, three, maybe two with an option. And I'm happy to retire here. And the Red Sox were like, you can retire now, pal. We're not stopping you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they they told him how they feel about him moving forward. So that writing was on the wall. So. So yeah, right behind Manny. Like those would be the two. Yeah. I don't even think that there's yeah. like anyone else in that class. Right? No. Like, no. Like you can't even. No one. Like people would be like, what about David Ortiz? Like they didn't know what they had in David Ortiz. They also didn't give a nine-figure deal when they signed him. <laughs> they made him fight for every friggin' penny. Every penny. Um, Reese McGuire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, he's everything you could have asked for since he came here. He's hit way better than I think he'll hit next year, but good defensively. Seems to be connecting well with the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Fine platoon catcher. Yeah. Slash backup catcher. Kale Bort, fuck no. This one will be interesting. James Paxton. Oh, yeah. But how? Do you give him the two years? Why not? That's that's his contract. Is if you if you pick up his option, you have to pick up both years. Right. Yeah, I'm okay with that. We already paid him one year. I'd I'd like to get something out of it. You want him to just rehab here for another team? That would be an all he'd probably just go back to the Yankees. That would probably be what happened. So you paid him $6 million this year to rehab. He has a $4 million player option. Or if you exercise the club option, then it's for $26 million. So $13 million a year. That's crazy. Yeah, I, think that, I think that's an easy yes. I don't think that that's an easy yes. I think that it's probably the right thing to do. <laughs> One hiccup per show. Um, it's probably the right thing to do, but he jumps from six million, which maybe they negotiated six million, being like, "Hey, you're probably going to pitch like one month for us, if that." You know, it ended up being zero. Uh, but he missed the entire 2022 season, and if the Red Sox pick up his 2023 option, then he also you have to pick up both, so it ends up being 26 million for two years, James Paxton. Yeah, I mean we're. Think of the pitches we've we've used, and he's thirty three now. So you're picking up thirty four and thirty five. Those ages aren't as old as they used to be. Like I, that doesn't bother me. It's going to be a fresh thirty four at the minimum. Thirty five, I can't speak for. That might not be that great, mm-hmm. but I can't be worried about if, if we're again if we're worried about thirteen million. Like that's that says a lot about the Red Sox that I don't even want to talk about. I don't think that it's so much that you're worried about 13 million as much as it is like 
it's a little bit here, it's a little bit there, and those little bits add up. The same way that sure. people com- like complained about the Matt Barnes contract and say, well, what could the Red Sox have done with that money instead? I would like, again, the free agents that are available are nothing to be desired. Like they really aren't. I'm sure there are some guys that, because even in like two years, I like have- me and you were talking about a couple of months ago, Glass now just re-upped. For one for, year, for one extra year. For sure, but that just kicks it down. And they're not going to trade him within the division, so that just kicks him one more year down the, down the road. So it's like even in two years, when we thought we would have the chance to get him, that's not even an option anymore. So it's like, are you going to go real high end and take a shot on DeGrom? Probably not. That's like the last thing this rotation needs is another massive question mark. I don't... I, don't, I think it's like an easy yes to me. It's just like, so you enter next year in this situation where you're going to have Chris Sale as part of your rotation. You're going to have James Paxton in your rotation. Those are two guys who are going to have innings limits on on top of where they're at. They're not going to be able to pitch deep into the season. You're going to really have to monitor them as, or monitor them as you go. And you know, you're probably still going to need another arm. Say it is that Nate Evaldi. Would you feel comfortable with Chris Sale, Nate Evaldi and James Paxton being your top of your rotation going into next season? I'd be scared personally if that's the situation you're in. I already, I already viewed Bayo as better than at least two of those guys. <laughs> I, I, honestly, and I'm Coley. I'm pretty right there with you. I, I think Bayo, by the time we get there next year, will at least be a number three starter. I just, I think that's the you're walking a tightrope there. If if you go and keep Paxson, then I think you need to make a move to go get someone who's more dependable than a Nivaldi. Uh, but you got to pick your poison one way or the other. Do I think, you know, listen, what Paxson did as a lefty too, you know, we remember right before he got hurt and everything, how good he looked in the postseason and what it was. Obviously, a lat tier this year adds to that equation. It's just how many teams are willing to bet on James Paxson being healthy going forward? He's really never been healthy his entire career. Can the Red Sox sustain that and monitor his innings while trying to win this year? How many question marks can you afford in your rotation? I, I think is what it comes down to. And if you are bringing Paxton back, then you're going to have to make a really hard decision with the Valdi or Waka because I don't think you can include all of them and hope that you're going to stay healthy next year. Yeah, I, I view it more as Paxton versus Waka. And I think it's like, I, what if like, all right, so Paxton and Valdi take Rich Hill and Waka's spots. And it's like, we've seen even with that, we still had to failing. Talks about Mata already. That's a guy who profiles to be better than Winkowski. So it's like I while I agree they're they're not slam dunks by any stretch, I kinda like these questions a little bit better than what we dealt with this year. Um I don't think this is like breaking news, but uh I've been told the Red Sox want walk back. Whoa. That's great. I don't think it's a negative thing. I know we we haven't dumped on him. We've just kind of told the truth about him. But I, I mean, he likes it here. He's shown up. He's pitched. I think that's bad news for another guy I'm looking at, which is Pavetta. Who, I mean, so like I like Pavetta. He shows up. He he pitches every five days, sometimes six. You never know what you're going to get. But he's like, I'm looking at him right now. Four three ERA, one three two WHIP, like. If this is your number four, number five, like this is, I'm okay with that. And for for rotation, we're talking about so many question marks. Having a guy who's going to make 30 starts, 
is great. Yeah, as long as you're not looking at him as a top of the rotation arm, and I don't think anybody is. I think anyone can read through the stats and see what kind of guy he is. But yeah, if he's profiling, maybe he's in that three spot and Bayo jumps him very quickly, which if not, he will, you know, by the end of this year. Fine. I, I don't have a problem with Michael Walker. He works fast. I think that's it. And he pitches the contact. That's something the Red Sox seem to be really into and about. And obviously a year younger than Nate Valdi as well. Do I hate the idea of bringing him back? No, just don't put an expectation on him. That's unfair. Just like the expectation you put on Nick Pavetta this year to somehow be a mid-rotation starter when that's just not the guy he is. I think Walk is better than Pavetta, right. but yeah, like Coley said, for the right role and towards the back end of the rotation, four, maybe three to begin the year, I can accept that. You just you can't have too many question marks, and I will still say Walk is a question mark, even if you do sign him this offseason. Yeah. Fair. I, w- I need a guy in that rotation next year that was not here this year. Maybe two. <laughs> like, I, I just can't. I can't. He was here. <laughs> that counts. He, Very barely. He had an, a, a start in one-tenth. But who can, I, like, who can you depend to give you, you know, let's be real. 200, is, 200 innings doesn't exist anymore. Who can give me... Starts. 30 starts. 30 starts, 170-ish innings, and I don't have to think too much about it. You don't have that guy, so that's why you need to go get that guy. Nick Pavetta. You don't have that guy, so that's why you need to go get that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to learn how to pitch to the ALEs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is going to be, I mean, we get to the stop and shop look ahead, like you're going to, those numbers against the Yankees are not going to be pretty this year or last year, so total combined, not good. Um, where were we? Who started that conversation? Oh, this was Paxton. Uh, Tommy Pham. So Tommy Pham's contract uh, that he signed with the Reds this past March. One year, $7.5 million for this year. And then it has a mutual option for next year at $6 million um, with a $1.5 million buyout. So, acquired by the Red Sox in a trade from Cincinnati, blah, 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 2.1 million in, in salary remaining. So, the, yeah, so they, they have the mutual option. Like, do you bring back Tommy Pham for 6 million bucks next year? Yeah. Yeah. So, let, let's play the game, right? Kike Hernandez is your center fielder. Alex Verdugo is your left fielder. Or say he's your right fielder. Let's play, you know, that game. You're comfortable with Tom, that being your outfield, Fam, Kike, Verdugo. Um, I mean, well, it's gonna get a little crowded when they especially sign Judge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think where I start to get worried is like you need a bat to replace JD, something that does consider itself middle of the order. Um, I like Rob Refsnyder as a fourth outfielder more than Fam. Uh, I think you get more bang for your buck, a guy who can play all three spots. Um, obviously, mashes lefties has hit really well this year. Will he continue next year? Probably not to this level. But I would like a little bit more in terms of a corner outfielder next year. I would whether like, that's I would like a better lead off hitter. I mean, like that that's where fam has been a lot is is hitting leadoff. I don't think that uh when the Red Sox roll into town and you're like, oh shit, the Red Sox are here, and then the leadoff guy is Tommy Pham. I mean, no disrespect to Tommy Pham, but like usually you want to set the tone with your leadoff guy and Outside of the fact that he could beat the shit out of you physically, 
I don't think that like opposing pitchers are like, this is going to be a tough lineup to get through. And it starts with, with Tommy Pham at the top. Like he'd be great down the bottom, like anywhere from seven to nine. Happy to have him there. Uh, is that a his fault thing though? No, 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 no. I mean, that, that, but like depth chart wise, like Verdugo is going to be here. Kike is going to be here. If you're going to bring back Fam, like he's got to be in the outfield somewhere. So like he he's not going to be a six million dollar fourth outfielder. And like, what else concerns me? It's like, Fam's defense isn't very good at all. Even in left field, he's had some, huh? Great catch today. Great, nice catch today. But overall, he's missed a couple balls that have been, you know, hit at him. I like Verdugo. I give him a lot of credit for moving to right field and handling himself out there. He's really a left fielder. Let's be honest. You get more out of his defensive value that way. I just, I think when you look at right field next year, you need to go and find someone who, you know, we talk so much about Seiya Suzuki, got someone like that, someone that you can pencil in and say, this is going to be a middle of the order kind of guy that we can look on and depend as one of our better bats and an everyday player. I don't, I don't think you want to go into next year with another question mark out there. So you're a no on fam. I like Tommy fam. I just think for where this roster's at, it is a no for me. And it, listen, no disrespect. He's played well. It's like a 113 way to runs created plus this year. He's hit above average since he got here. K rate's a little high. It's almost 30%. Um, but yeah, I, I just think for where the Red Sox are, if you're going to push over the luxury tax and compete, you need to do better than Tommy Pham. Coley? I, I can't fully buy in that Rob Rapschneider is just automatically on the team. And that's not a knock on him. I would feel more comfortable with Sam. There's longer track record. Being a major league player like Tommy Sam. I mean, uh, Ruff Snyder. I remember him coming up to the Yankees. And they were like, here's our big prospect. And then I didn't see him again until this year. That was like seven years ago. <laughs> and he's been great this year. He's been incredible against lefties. I get all that. I can't have that be the reason we lose Sam. Like, if if Franchi's here because of his attitude largely, I can make the same argument for Sam. Like, this team, I, it, it doesn't matter because of when they acquired him, but there's, they play with a, more of an edge with him there. And that's been lacking for quite some time. Is that something that can last like seven years? No. And he's already too old for that anyways. I don't, <laughs> I can't, like, again, six million isn't breaking the bank for me. Uh, none of these contracts do. I don't pay any of these people, but I, I'm also like, I'm very much in for Tommy fam next year. And I, we've, we've said it before on this show. If he'd been here all year, what does this team look like? Now we don't want to see that next year. And I'm not saying give him a hand in the starting role. Of course, I don't think that for two of the three current starting outfielders, even the one we just gave $10 million to, I think if, if that's a move that is going to prohibit you from, upgrading the team that was a bad bad idea i think getting ahead of free agency and making that signing was very smart but if that's gonna kneecap you from truly upgrading really dumb would tommy fam be happy as a fourth outfielder on this team next year i think he's happy to not be in cincinnati anymore i don't think he's a fuck about that <laughs> yeah that's probably true he he seems very happy to be in boston i saw him do his thing with uh 
Jamai today talking about fantasy football and joking around. Like, if he's your fourth outfielder next year, six million for a fourth outfielder isn't that crazy. Like, you know, there's plenty of teams. The Red Sox have done that before. What was Chris Young's deal back in the day? Uh, I felt like, what was it, like seven? Was it seven a year? Um, sounds right. It's like two years, 14 or something. So, like, the money's not crazy. I think it's just, does he still want to be here? It's a mutual option. And is there a significant gap between him and Ref Center? I do think the makeup is something that does fit, though. And if we're talking about an open DH spot, that's another part of the conversation. Like, can Tommy Pham go out there and DH sometimes and give you a little bit there? Am I upset if he's on the roster? No. I think you just get a little bit more value out of Ref Steiner. That's fair. I think you get a little bit more value out of every blue moon that you drink, though. Do you? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's just a fact. It's also a fact that baseball and beer go hand in hand, and Blue Moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantee is a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience every single time. Uh, Me and Jake are going to the Red Sox game on Tuesday. Right, Jake? Ooh. Oh, yeah. We'll be drinking some Blue Moons at the game. When's the last time we went to a game together, Jake? Um, probably like a month ago. Who? Who? What we game was that? One, we went to one when my dad came. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, uh, I believe, we'll be sitting down by the Red Sox dugout on Tuesday, which I also believe is Garrett Cole. I'll be in his I'll be in his fucking grill mix all night all night long um, but we will have blue moons uh, with us the entire time because that's how you enhance your ballpark experience from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander Blue Moon Belgian White is one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one-of-a-kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Um, okay. We're almost at the end here. Nick Pavetta. I think you have to, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like we're, we're not asking him to fucking we're not inviting him to the all star game in Seattle. But it's like y- y- you want an innings guy. He's been your innings guy. Yeah, he fits. Do I think you could do better than Nick Pavetta? I do. Um, unfortunately, you know, we've seen what he's been this year. He's the same pitcher he was a year ago. You're going to get stretches of great stuff, especially against lower tier competition. And when he faces higher tier competition, they're going to work him and he's going to have a hard time. Uh, it's right around a four or five ERA. Yeah, it, right now. What's the fifth? Uh, just about in that same spot. Last year it was a little bit lower. It was, I think, 428 to be exact. Um, off the top of my head. 
but I haven't looked in some time for uh, this season. Nick Pavetta this year owns a, wait for it, it's a 412 FIP this year, so it's a little bit better oh. than it was oh. a, a year ago. Oh. Um, he, he's fine. He, you know, he's fine back there. Sounds he's like definitely yes. one of your better pitchers right now. You're not throwing him off the boat, but no. am I clinging to Nick Pavetta? I'm willing to no. consider upgrades. Sure. That's fair. That's about as fair as you can uh, make the case for Nick Pavetta. Yes, you're welcome. Come on the boat. But if something comes up where it's like, yeah, we could do better there, then yeah, I think that everyone would be open to that. Any and disagreement, Coley? I like Pavetta. Um, He's a dog. It, truly, this year, it's been just that one, I understand the division stuff, and that one month was pretty much only division games, but Outside of that one month, I feel like he's been pretty solid. Solid yeah. in the sense you know what you're expecting going into it, not like, oh man, another seven inning one run game from Pavetta. I mean, he there's there's been plenty of those too. For sure. I mean, was did he throw the first? Yes. Uh, complete game first, shutout. Complete game. Yeah. 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 I I will say the one thing that does stick out with Pavetta, the K per nine did drop by over one and a half, so it fell from 10.2 to 8.6. That's felt still like the pretty stuff, fucking good. Still pretty good. It's felt like the stuff is this year just toned down a little bit. I don't know if partially it's been him trying to command it a little bit better or what it's been, but I don't know. Yeah, like I said, he's a fine back of the rotation guy. He profiles. Like how many times that. have we done the stop and chop look ahead and went through a team's fucking three guys for that series and their caper nine are like in the five to seven range? Best kit, like they're. Like, there's been a lot of dog shit caper nines around the league this year. Yeah, I, I love Nick Pavetta at the back of your rotation. I think that's what he is. This year, he got pushed up, and I don't think it was fair to him. I think the Red Sox thought maybe there was another step to take, but he's Nick yeah. Pavetta. There's nothing wrong with this Nick Pavetta. Same way we have that, a lot. We have a lot bigger problems. Yeah, exactly. The same way that, you know, we just said if, if Nate Evaldi is your number three next year, you're in really good shape. If, if Nick Pavetta is your four or five, you're in pretty good shape. That's an innings guy. Uh, Kevin Poecki. Nope. Nope. Coach, maybe? Listen, he can coach. I, I don't disagree. And I'll listen, I, I like Kevin Poecki a lot. Hit really well the previous two seasons. Has hit well the last month or so uh, since really Vasquez got dealt. But man, it is embarrassing watching him try to throw guys out. It, it, he just gets abused at this point. It's almost not playable in some games. And as great as he is with the pitchers, you have, I think, two guys now who are, no offense to Christian Vasquez, but better with pitchers than even he was. And, you know, he wasn't too great. So I think you've upgraded in that department. You don't need to lean on a guy like Pawecki as much now. He's got a spot on my arc. Why? Because I love him. Nope. Take out personal feelings. Why? Um. I mean, if you were to power rank the three catchers that the Red Sox have right now, he would be third. Yep. Um, I, I recognize that uh, the writing's on the wall there, just like it is kind of for Bob. Um, but I mean, he's literally the only dude that's upbeat and positive every single... Like, you need those guys, uh, especially for a season like this. Like, the dancing on my own thing last year, that was Kevin Pawecki. The the cart thing, largely... Uh, was Kevin Pawecki, it was a Jason Veritek idea executed by Kevin Pawecki. Like, you need those guys. Every single day, even keeled, upbeat, positive attitude. 
I've I told you, I've, I've been in some Red Sox clubhouses that were just fucking miserable. We had um, noontime, Eduardo Nunez on the podcast after they won the World Series in 2018. And he talked about how uh, when he got traded over to Boston in the middle of 2017, he like looked around the clubhouse and he was like, we're in first place, right? And I was like, yeah, just didn't feel like it. So I, I know that the, the numbers geeks are out there. Like, oh, well, his fucking wins above and play defensive, blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it. Like, all that stuff is important. You want the best players. And I get that. I get and I acknowledge that out of all the three catchers, that he's he he would rank third out of three. Fine. All I'm saying is that uh the vibes in the clubhouse will be not as vibey without Kevin Plucky. Like he's well, that's why you let him coach. When he's ready to hang it up, I bet you he would come back here to do something like that. I, I bet you he would. I, um, I agree. Yeah. But I get it. But I'm just saying he's got a spot on my arc. Okay. So if you were to guess out of uh, 43 stolen base attempts, how many times do you think Kevin Pawlucki's thrown someone out this year? Five? Nope. Worse? Yep. All right. Next up is... <laughs> Rob Ref Snyder. Tugboat. He could be a tugboat guy. Yeah. I, I'm willing to put Rob on the roster. I, I think he has the makings of a really solid fourth outfielder, someone who can play all three spots. Uh, well, if we're bringing lefties, back fam, we said, you can't bring back Ref Snyder in that role if you're going to sign Aaron Judge, well, which we all know they are. As I did say, I was willing to move on from fam. I leaned Ref Snyder. I think okay. Ref Snyder, you're obviously, fine. you're not going to have the six million tied up there. You can push it around. Mm-hmm. It's six million, though, at the end of the day. Like, if that's the way they lean, is it a horrendous move or a bad move, even? No. I just, I think Ref Snyder, the adjustments he made over the offseason, they panned out at AAA where he completely changed and became a better hitter. They've proven up here. And I think when you're talking about guys who've come off the bench for the Red Sox this year in big spots, he's put up the best at bats out of anyone in those spots. Definitely. Fair. Um, Chris Sale. Yep. I mean, you have to say yes. Like, you're not, he can't not come. He can't not they come. They won an eighth team. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is he can't not be there. So, John Schreiber, yes. Yeah. Connor Seabold. I don't we don't even have to talk about that. Nope. No, we sure don't. Trevor Story is an obvious yes. Uh, Matt Strom, I feel like, is going to get paid elsewhere. Well, okay. So, oh, this is my... Uh-uh. Th- this is my thing with Matt Strom. He wants to be a starter. What? He, this is what he told Ken Rosenthal. He wants when? to become a starter this offseason. Who the, f- when maybe the fuck this came that? out maybe two, two months ago, three months ago around the all-star break. All right. See you. Um, Bye. Yeah, that, that's my thing. If he's willing to be a reliever, I'd love to have him back here. He, he's been really solid. He's the perfect kind of bridge guy in the seventh or eighth, depending on matchups can go multi if you really need him. But yeah, dude, if you think you're a starter, good luck to you. Not here. Bye. Um, Verdugo, obviously. Yes. Uh, Michael Walker. Feel like that's a yes. Yeah. These, these yep. next ones are all pretty easy. Garrett Woodlock, yes. Yep. Josh Winkowski, no. <laughs> no. And then Connor Wong's a pretty easy yes. I mean, he's 
He's like impressed me a lot. He's kind of he's kind of like uh, I don't know what the personality trait is, but he's kind of got that. It's 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 a really strong comparison that I don't yet feel comfortable making, but he's got some Veritech to him in the All sense right. that hold on. In the sense that he is just super quiet and about his business. He's definitely, he's, he's like a, a cousin you only see at Thanksgiving and he doesn't talk in, ever, ever. He gives the most <laughs> boring post-game interviews. I don't know if he's just like has social anxiety or what, but he gives the most boring, lame-ass answers, which is fine. Just like keep playing good baseball. I don't give, I don't give a shit what you say after the games, but it just seems like he has one function and it's baseball. So that's a yes. He, yeah. Uh, he did the impossible this year, which was he he got Maz to say something that didn't make me want to break my TV over my knee. Because uh, I was thinking it before he said it. He doesn't look like a catcher, like his body. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He, I've never seen a catcher that looks like Connor Wong, and it's not Blake a good or a bad thing. Who? Blake Swihart? Well, he also wasn't a catcher uh, or a baseball player. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> but even even Swihart was like a little bit more built. Like I, he was definitely slighter of, of frame than a typical. Like, he's not Benji Molina we're talking about here, but like Swihart was like a little jacked. Wong doesn't have eh. that. Wong, Wong's like almost emaciated. Like he's no, he's small. actually so he was um um he was wearing long tight sleeves today, and his like veins were popping through his his shirt there. So I I don't I wouldn't say he's not, and yeah, Swihart was just a man without a position, even though he was supposed to be like the top catching prospect in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um. What was that group that Frank Sinatra was in? It was like him, like Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. <laughs> but I like Wong. I like Wong. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat. And I think the big thing this year down in the minors, he hit lefties and righties, like same pace. It really wasn't a big gap. And I'm a believer that catchers take longer to develop. Uh, you know, he's 26, obviously. You throw in the COVID year and everything that played out that way. I think he's arriving just about on time for a prospect of his caliber. We've seen it already some pop since he came up here. That rocket he had off the center field wall the other day in Baltimore and still got to second. He's athletic. They had him getting work at second base before he got brought up. So I think they're going to kind of go down that route and get his versatility there. Feels like a guy that can stick around and especially when he can have a good ability to you know work with pitchers. We know what he has with Nate Evaldi. It's not easy to find that and to have another guy like that along with Reese McGuire, you know, it's not a crazy world for me to feel very good about Reese McGuire and Connor Wong being your platoon next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just, I'm just going to be sad if Kevin Pawlecki's not here. <laughs> I'm a really big Kevin Pawlecki guy. I love Pawlecki. It's a business though. It's a business. It's a business. And that's it. That completes the arc. I feel like we were there was there wasn't a ton of debate in terms of I think it was like Duran there was debate fam. 
That's pretty much it. I think we were mostly in agreement on just about everyone. Matt Barnes, for some reason, Coley fucking hates. Listen, this is what I what I said then turned out to be true. We were going to end up keeping most of the roster, and then everyone's going to be like, "Well, how are you going to improve it if you just bring back the same fucking twenty five guys?" I, 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 I think that's where the Red Sox are. I, I don't think there is a massive upheaval that needs to happen here. It's I the think, rotation. Like we talked about this it's year. It's the rotation. That's all it is. Like, that's why we had the discussion about Nick Pavetta. Like, yeah, we, you, you want a guy that's going to take the ball every fifth day. But if you can do better, then you do better. Like, Nathan Avaldi. Like, do you have that conversation about bringing him back? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that you're not going to sign Jacob DeGrom. Like, there's no... There's no guy in free agency, really, that I see the Red Sox targeting. So that's why we mentioned like the whole Jeter Downs conversation was you identify your guys in your system and everyone else, you're, you're a fucking trade ship. Like You need to get better in your rotation. You need to get better in your bullpen. Like The offense is, is what it is. It's one of the fucking best in baseball. And I think... In a weird way, you have to factor in the human element here. And the human element is that they're probably like the Red Sox pitching being as bad as it is has a negative impact on the Red Sox offense because there are so many games that you're just fucking out of it. Like when we were having the discussion earlier about, oh, if Whitlock was in the bullpen the whole season, how many extra games would they have won? And that's because they were blowing games late. After that, kind of like after like April and May, that was the theme in April and May is they kept blowing games late. Then you had June where they were the best team in baseball. And then you had July, August and September. And in those months when the Red Sox lost games, it was because they got blown the fuck out of the water. So how many of those games were blowout losses where the Red Sox offense was just like, yeah, I guess we can kind of stop trying. So they were already one of the best offenses. But how many of those games did they really take their foot off the gas? Because like, well, we're down 20-ish right now. So yeah, I I think when we talk about bringing so many guys back, yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it as it pertains to the Red Sox offense. Like, yeah, Uh, I I think that you could make some upgrades in the outfield, but your infield is set, especially, you know, at catcher. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, we build from catcher. It's like football. You build your offensive line. And then you get everyone else. Baseball, you build your catcher rotation and then everything else falls into place. Yeah. Like I'm totally fine with drastic changes in the rotation. If that means Nate doesn't come back, uh, if that means whatever happens to Chris Sale happens to Chris Sale, like I'm, I don't, there's, for me, there's no emotional attachment there for anybody. There's no one where I'm like, this guy needs to be back and he needs to be in the rotation next year. I'm fine with five new names. Whatever, do something. But that's where the major overhaul has to be. That's where the overturn is going to be. Uh, so we'll see how that goes because they're going to have to get creative. You, would you give up uh, uh, a prospect currently ranked in the Red Sox system somewhere between five and ten? So not a top five guy, but six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One of those guys. To get rid of Chris Sale, nothing back in return. Ooh, we're talking about six million dollars here, five million dollars here. Let's get rid of fucking thirty. How about that? How does that sound? 
And, and Coley, I'll add to that. Let's keep in mind that there was some talk of sale floating around at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox were, you know, pushing him out there to see at least if someone would take a chance on it. Mm-hmm. There was that talk. So uh, for the sake of the hypothetical, I, I will say this. If the Red Sox were to at least explore that again, um, I don't think that it would take that type of attachment. Probably not. Um, but let's just say for the sake of argument, would I do it? I would need to know like what what's the whole plan? Like, are you trading Chris Sale to free up money to sign who? Like, if they just all of a sudden were like, hey, uh, we saw what the Mets did with Max Scherzer. Why not like go crazy and do something like that with DeGrom? Like, I, this is obviously not going to happen. And I wouldn't even, I don't know. I'm, I'm not giving Jacob DeGrom $50 million knowing what his injury history is too. A, a year. Because that's what you, that's how the, the that's what it would have to kind of look like is I'm going to give Jacob DeGrom like three years, 150 million, something crazy like that. Um, I would do that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying like that's that's kind of what you would have to do. So if that was the plan, if they're like, hey, we're going to attach a prospect that's ranked between six and ten to Chris Sale and they're going to take on the full contract, but then we're going to give three years, 150 million to Jacob deGrom, I'd be like, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds fucking great. See how it goes. Yeah, there's just not that starter on the market where you can look at and feel good. Like, you know, we've talked about Rodon a couple of times. It's like there's huge red flags injury wise there, you know, that you'd be taking a risk on. Uh, Do you mean like at this point, Coley, after a healthy year? Uh, Yeah, I mean, even last year, it was mostly healthy. He got worn down the second half for sure. But I I don't. He was on fumes once he got to the playoffs. Yeah, I I don't hate Rodon. Be a red flag. Yeah, I don't hate Rodon. That's why I mentioned him in that tweet a couple of days ago. I, I just think it has to be in the right situation. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it's... Should you look at him and say you're completely not going to check in on him? No. I think it just depends like how many risk are you taking in that area. Like If you're going to keep Chris Sale, say you did go get Rodon, then you got to go out and I still think get someone that... More of an innings eater. Maybe you try to profile Michael Walker in that spot or something along those lines. I don't hate it. It's just, do you think the Red Sox are going to hand that kind of deal to a pitcher going into his age 30 season? This is, I've been more forgiving of time this year than 98% of the fan base. Where where it gets real tough, not even Colin Galvin. Exactly. Knowing what was coming, knowing the holes already here, knowing what was coming in terms of free agents, it's tough. It's it's hard to look at, especially what he got and be like, yeah, that looks like a fucking bargain compared to and like the years. Like it's like, all right, now imagine how much easier these I don't even think he's as good as his numbers say he is. Um, but even even with that bias aside, obviously he's really fucking good. And I'm, like these whole con- all these conversations change. Every conversation we've had has changed if, if that phone call just gets made. Yeah. And, and I think anyone like we're talking wrote on like on top of it, you know, this isn't fluky. Like it's a 293 array. The FIPS 233. Like this is back to back years of a guy pitching at true ace level. Yeah, that's wrote on like Gosman. We know what Gosman's done this year. Um, and yeah, like Coley said, you know, super. He was ridiculous to start the year. 
but it's like is it more likely like then you start to raise like obviously with all the money coming off the books do the red Sox call up the marlins and start trying to get like hey pablo lopez you know the yankees couldn't get the deal done can we get in on that can we have these conversations i think where you're you're at financially it probably make more sense to use that to go get a pitcher it's just if you're looking at arms rodon's probably the closest thing out of that group i i don't think they're gonna go give a crazy deal to degrom for you know 50 AAV for no. a couple of years or whatever no it may be. Verlander, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to come here, but I don't think they're going to be the ones to do that either. Can you get Rodon on like four years with a high AV and see if you can really capitalize on, you know, 30 to 34? The turnaround has to be drastic. Like, I- I'm not saying that they're going to do something crazy like that for DeGrom or even Rodon, but like, you're going to have to make a series of moves that people go, okay, this is, this is different. The approach is different. Like you can't have another off season of fans being like the Red Sox are afraid to spend money or reluctant to, or against entirely spending money. You can't have that. And you can throw out Trevor's story and be like, oh, they spent $164 million last year. It's like, yeah, but that as much as I like, I'm in favor of it. Like I, I, I think Trevor Story is a great fit. Um, I think that that, really uh, yeah, like that. It's almost like you need Xander to continue the positive light that the Story contract is being painted in. If you lose Xander, and this is all hypothetical, if you lose Xander, I still think the Red Sox are going to keep Story at second base. I think that they try to replace Xander. That, like outside. I don't think that if Xander goes, story play is short again. I don't think that that's the plan. Uh, so, you still think, think, so you think they're calling Carlos Correa or like Dansby or Trey? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what plan B is, but I just, I, I don't think that plan B is Trevor Story. I think the plan for Trevor Story is to stay a second baseman. So I guess this is a good spot to bring up the fucking uh, report from last night it was uh who actually had it it, it was uh, your boy p dave that fucking fat loser that is the one i'm not giving him a click i saw it on mlb trade rumors that's where i saw it so shout out to mlb trade rumors for the report um that i mean I, all i said was I, I, i'm not ready for this shit not now it's too early the Phillies are expected to target Xander Bogarts in free agency. Uh, so I will say this. I see the MLB trade rumors tweet. Phillies expected to sign or expected to target Xander Bogarts in free agency. I quote tweet it and say, don't even start with this shit. I promptly get a text message. Promptly. Hmm. Don't worry about it. This is like Xander, uh, what's it called? Uh, Scott Boris is just in town. So like, of course, like Boris is going to, you know, drum up some shit here. Um, It's not like an assurance that Xander is staying, but it was more just like, just know where this is coming from. This is, this is a Boris thing. Uh, No need to panic or anything like that. So I was like, okay, good to know. So it, it, the, I guess like the hype, behind it 
got shut down pretty quickly. But that's not to say that the Phillies aren't going to be a looming threat. I think that I think that, that that's a Boris Camp play to be like, hey, just letting you know, like when Xander opts out in a few weeks, uh, do not take advantage of the fact that he wants to stay in Boston. Like we're going to have suitors and we want you to know that those suitors have deep pockets. And you should know that because uh, you're his successor. Like you have the job that he once had. And when he had that job, he spent a fuck ton of money and then won a championship. So, um, and also he was the one that constructed the Xander Bogarts extension here. That's that was Dave Dombrowski that did that. So now that Dave Dombrowski is over in Philly, I'm sure he would love to sign Xander Bogarts again. Uh, just this time it would be with the Philadelphia Phillies. So my interpretation was the threat is real that the Phillies are going to be in on Xander Bogarts. But where I land on this ultimately is that if the Red Sox want Xander Bogarts and they pay him fairly, he's not going anywhere. I think that if you give Xander Bogarts fair market value, that's the deal that he takes. I don't think that Xander Bogarts will ultimately decide to take the top bid. If the Phillies outbid the Red Sox, but the Red Sox deal or offer is interpreted as fair market value, I think that that's the deal that he takes. That's just that's what I'm reading into here. That's always felt like what it's been. It's just when you threw an offer that wasn't that, that was, you know, a slap in the face, you know, as they framed it. This is where you end up. I think the interesting thing is the worry should be if a team, if some team's just going to make it too hard to say no. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's where someone like the Cubs, who have somewhat that front office with Jed Hoyer, have somewhat of a relation uh, to this Red Sox front office, Sandra Bogarts, and everything. Are they willing to throw a crazy amount of money to? You know, make it so the Red Sox get in that awkward spot where maybe it's not six years, 150 or or six years, 180. Maybe it's something like, you know, you start getting into that seven, eight year range and it becomes a harder conversation. 200 plus million. I don't know. I think with the Phillies, like they have Bryson Stott. Obviously, that's a whole factor in this came up as a short stop. Obviously, things have played out a little differently over there this year with all that. But, you know, he fits into that. The Cubs seem to be the ones looking for a shortstop more than anybody. And they've been attached to Bogarts, Correa, whoever it may be that they want to spend. But I think, like you said, it, it comes down to whether the Red Sox just want to be fair. And Bogart said it today uh, with Sox Booth. He, he was on with EI after the game. And, you know, they tweeted out this quote, took a little snippet out of the interview of him saying he's going to be emotional as things wind down. He said once again on there, like, I just want to be with the Red Sox long term. This is where I want to be. Uh, it's just out of my hands. That's how that, that was the exact quote. Totally. I have zero faith we're going to resign Vander. Really? Wow. When was the last time they gave fair market value to a position player? Like JB, we were the only suitor for. Trevor Story, we were the only suitor for. That's not true. Um, and I know other I know other things with story kind of fell through, but that other team was pretty quick to uh, move on and find someone else. Yeah, but that was um, it was the Texas Rangers and the Rangers right. offered a story was basically the same offer that he got from the Red Sox. 
Right. And they just went and signed someone else instead. Yeah. Because his agent, like, this is what I heard. But like, so I guess we have to say allegedly because we don't need a Gottlieb situation on our hands. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The uh, allegedly what happened was that they, I guess they had an offer from the Rangers for him to play shortstop. But then I don't know if they were holding out for more money or something. And then they were like, okay, uh, then we'll just get Seeger and Simeon. And then the Red Sox just ended up making the same offer that, that the Rangers made. And that's why he right, ended up here. Because no one base. else was offering. No one else was offering anything. They yeah, I don't. Me. I don't know if that. If, I don't know if that part's true though. There might have been another team that was kind of offering something similar. I don't know. But wasn't there? Wasn't there like a pivot from the Rangers as well to have him try and play outfield? Was wasn't yeah. that like later on where they were like, "Do you want to play center field for us or something like that?" Yeah, that I think it right. was a different shape deal though. I don't think it was the same as the Red Sox. Um, but I, I think that's Coley brings up a good point. When has it happened? It hasn't. So it's do the Red Sox learn their lesson? Like, is this the time where they go and say, hey, you know, are we going to let Xander Bogarts walk and face the same, you know, years long's worth of L's, the same media backlashes we got with John Lester and these different things? Or are they willing to say, no, this is the time we're financially in a position where we can afford to do it. There's no excuse. There's no luxury tax conversation like there was with Mookie Betts where it could be justified. Is this the time where you bend the knee and you're willing to give him the money he deserves, especially for a guy who's not asking to break the bank? Just a fair price. And I think that John Lester, I would have put in that same category as well. Not someone who was trying to make the most money, just someone who was trying to get a fair deal. Can you learn from that mistake? They Even Mookie, like they hide behind the luxury tax thing. They were still per themselves offering $300 million, which would not have kept them under the luxury tax. So that was always like an excuse after the fact that never really held any water. They uh, refused I, to give a market. Keep going, Coley. I was going to say that they just used that as a shield. They did not want to pay Mookie fair market value. They didn't want to give him 350 They offered 300 Mookie countered with 400 What do you know? He signed with for 350 it's almost like he was negotiating because the Red Sox. He countered with four twenty. Yeah, twelve years. And the thing with Mookie is like people. I, I feel like there's a lot of apologists for Mookie. Mookie wasn't interested in signing a deal here at that time. That, that was not the case. Yeah. He made it clear that he wanted to go for the MLBPA to get the biggest deal possible. That that's what Mookie Betts said. The quotes are out there. You can go back and read them. He felt it was his for responsibility sure. yeah, to go get that money. Because and what ended what ended up happening. Yeah, and what ended up happening to him is he got traded to the Dodgers and COVID started happening and he realized, oh crap, it might be years until I get the bag that I thought I was going to get. Let me lock into a deal here that's even less AAV than it actually is with the Red Sox, which with you know, uh, the way the money's pushed out and everything, it comes in at roughly somewhere in the 26 range compared to you know 10 years at 300, which would have been 30 from the Red Sox. It's still $50 million less uh, and the Red Sox weren't willing to go over it. 300 million. They stopped negotiations when he asked for 420. Wouldn't you? Um, no. I think <laughs> I, I think you where the Red Sox were at the time, it was just like you can't castrate yourself financially with no farm system two years over the luxury tax. There was a, they had a limit. And I, I think it was fair for a guy who he he wasn't negotiating in good faith in those spots. He he was negotiating no, just a you know, right. Listen, can you give me a ridiculous amount of, of money? 
one of the sides wasn't negotiating in good faith. And considering where the Dodgers have gone since and where the Red Sox have gone since, I can't buy anything you just said. Like Mookie, they're, they're two different timelines. What the Red Sox are trying to do is what the Dodgers did perfectly. They waited no, years I, before I they pushed that. over the luxury tax. Like the reason they got Mookie Betts in the first place was, hey, this is our time to push in. They were lucky to stay underneath it in 2020 because David Price opted out. It, sp- it saved them. So they got the next two years from the luxury tax of going over. At that time, the Dodgers geared up for that. The Red Sox in that situation had been over for two years, had no farm system, and were trending down. You can argue they I made the wrong play. contracts, you know, extensions at that time with Chris Sale and even Nate Evaldi uh, and how that kind of played out. But I think where the Red Sox were, if you can't get a guy who's going to agree to a deal who wants to, you know, break the bank and get what was considered Mike Trout money at the time, it's hard. That that was uh, not an easy, not an easy uh, COVID, negotiation. COVID happened in Boston too, so like they traded him right before that. Yeah, so right, February. He's still here, right? If he's still here, does he sign for three twenty? You know what I mean? Like that's where it's like, was he negotiating in bad faith? Not at all. Like I'll never put that on him. He didn't want to sign for under market value, which is what the Red Sox were offering, which was the point with Xander. They've offered him. $20 million on a deal where he was already making $20 million. That's insulting. And it's even worse when it's your own homegrown guys. Of course, they should want to. All the, all the Red Sox would have done there, yeah, it would have hurt the luxury tax for a year, maybe two. Um, their farm system is a lot better now, and it's a lot better with guys who have been there. Like, we're excited about Tristan Cassis. He was drafted in 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. Like, these are, these are not guys who have come up since we've reached up the luxury tax. Um, I well, can't. I think it's Bloom's responsible for five out of the 10 of the current top 10 Sox prospects. For sure, um, yeah. I'm not shitting on And I still think he could have done that even if he was... like, I, I just can't be like, oh, they were spiting themselves by giving a top three player in baseball, top three player in baseball money. Like, uh, there are other I, ways to get around that. There's other ways to shred salary. You don't... And like all of the problems we've talked about on this phone call, is because we don't have that bat at the top of the lineup. We don't have that glove in right field. It's still something they haven't fixed. And at some point, that's going to have to be... We can't just pretend like, yeah, we traded him. There's no fixing it. Like, we can't do that. That's how you don't win a World Series for 86 years. Like, you have to look that in the face and be like, that really fucking sucked. We've still done nothing to fix it, to remedy that. And it's hard to remedy that. It's even harder when you don't call Kevin Gausman and you don't call Kyle Schwarber and you don't sign all these other players when you have reset the luxury tax and now you can go do that. Like Trevor Story was fine. It will be bad if they don't re-sign Xander. It'll be good if they re-sign Xander. If they don't go do something else on top of that, including re-sign Raphael Devers to a long-term deal, we just keep making the same mistake over and over again. That's what I'm worried about with Xander. Until they bring him back and until they bring Devers back, that's the thing. I can't even enjoy if and when they bring Xander back because then it just goes right to Devers. So if they don't, yeah. if that's not like a joint press conference, then I'm going to be. I honestly, that, I'm glad that you said that because I think that that's what it's going to be. Like, I, I think, I think Devers, I think Devers gets signed first. I don't think he signs. You've said it too. I don't think he signs until he sees Xander's here. But that could be part of it where it's like they, they're going to be talking to both guys. I I have a feeling that it's going to be boom, boom. In terms of like what the order is, 
your guess is as good as mine, but I think priority-wise, Devers is first, even though Xander will be free to talk to other teams. You know his preference. And I would imagine Xander is going to give the Red Sox the opportunity to match. I would also imagine, being a Boris guy, that Xander is not looking to sign a deal in November or December. Like I think uh, that that one's probably going to drag a little bit. So I'm not saying you have all the time in the world, but I don't think that you're in peril of losing Xander to another team in the month of November or December. Uh, I, I think, think if time goes in. I think if time goes into the offseason thing, that Xander is as good as gone. Sure. No, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, from from our perspective, it would be very shocking to see breaking news: Xander Bogarts signs six year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies on November 21st. I think, yeah, I think where it comes in, it's like October's coming up here. You're going to have a month layoff before everything kind of, you know, gets out there where free agency and the offseason really begins. If I'm the Red Sox, that should be your time. You know, you've wanted to push off. It, it seems like you haven't had any real conversations th- over the course of this year, despite the weird messages from Boris and Bogarts basically saying two different things. Figure it out. You have a month. You're going to have the whole playoff run where Bogarts is still a member of this organization, technically. Try to work it out. You, you need to kind of find a middle ground here. You have that time to do it. You can do it with Rafael Devers too. And I think solidifying those two spots and having an idea really are what needs to happen if you're going to have a pathway for this offseason and going forward with the luxury tax. If you're going to have a plan, set the foundation because what you have failed to do the last couple of years is set that foundation. You've just kind of danced around and kicked the can down the road. There's no more kicking the can down the road. And if you don't pay Rafael Devers, then there is no excusing the Mookie Betts situation. There, there's no reasoning to it. Some people will never. I, I understand that, Coley. Um, some people will never excuse it just based on the premise. But if you can't get Rafael Devers here on that kind of $300 million-ish, maybe it's less now kind of deal, there's never been any logic or reasoning to what the Red Sox front office has done the last couple of years. But I think saying right. that you can't recover from Mookie you were in the ALCS last year. Uh, sure. Well, some things went right for you and you got hot 100%. But you know, you can live without Mookie Betts. It's not a world where you can't. You can't live without Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts right now. Uh, and if you go that route, you're going into a, a rebuild of something that just the city won't stand for and Bloom won't have a job if that's the case. But that's also kind of my point. Like, yeah, you can't live. I mean, you can live without Mookie Betts, but it's also they went out and got Schwarber. Like they were aggressive. If they didn't do that, would they have been in the ALCS? Of course not. So it's like, then they just let them walk. And that's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. And we're, we're still sitting here yeah. talking about, we need a, a power bat. We need home runs. We need a leadoff guy. And it's like, Kyle Schwarber was here and he <laughs> loved it here. And you didn't even fucking call him. Is that the best way to spend that money? Who gives a shit? The luxury taxes re- not only reset, you're also already over the luxury tax this year, exactly. so you're not going to get first rounders. And we're still talking about the DH next year, which we knew was going to be an issue when he was a free agent. It was pretty perfect. And it was Kyle Schwarber the best option at DH? Probably not. Again, look at this year's free agency class. Look at next year's free agency class. I'm getting to the point where it's like, should we call the Dodgers again and see if they want to give up on Cody Bellinger? Like that's the kind, that's where my brain goes because that's how bad these free agency classes are. And Cody Bellinger is not good. He hasn't been good. He broke his swing. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. And, but that's how, that's how dire it is right now. And that's a self-inflicted wound. So yeah, we can talk about the, the luxury tax and, and all this, 
it's still a wound that hasn't nearly been healed yet. So until that happens, I have to keep bringing it up. And I don't like bringing it up. It really pisses me off every time I think about it. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. But it's like, there are, there are holes here. And it just drives me nuts when with like, oh, Tommy Pham's a bad leadoff hitter. You know, we had the best leadoff hitter maybe in MLB history. That's not even an exaggeration. Maybe the best leadoff hitter in MLB history. Just got rid of him. And for, for three guys, we've already given up on one of them. Like, that's tough. A hundred percent. And that the return for that trade is fair to judge, you know, even including prices deal and everything on it. There, there's plenty of criticism for it. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. Like you said, Coley, it all goes back to the luxury tax, especially this past year. It's like you went seven, eight million over it. Like it made no sense. You had holes on your roster. These are supposed to be two years where you push all your chips in. You didn't. So how you're operating with the luxury tax, it makes no sense. You have a chance to fix it this offseason and give yourself one real shot where you make sure this roster is filled, where you go like the Mets or like the Yankees and you go and, you know, not dominate the offseason, but when you need something, you go and get it. Mets dominated it last year. This year, the Yankees, we saw what they did. Go get Frankie Montes. Go fill out this roster. The Red Sox just said, all right, well, we have question marks. We'll see where we're at the deadline. Got to the deadline and said, yeah, we'll just kind of keep it the same and move things around a little bit and really not push in the way you need to. You got one chance to fix it, Heim. This is it. Well, shit. <laughs> and at least it's a it's some it's a cliffhanger. I don't, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, man, this is not good. This is not good at all. And we are so fucked. Like, I don't feel that way. I think it's more of like a it's an old school cliffhanger. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. How the Devers situation is going to go. I don't know how the Xander situation is going to go. I don't know how the Red Sox are going to fix their rotation. I don't know how they're going to address the bullpen. I don't know. You know, there, there's a lot of unknowns. I think that's a, it's, it's, it can be, it's a, definitely a scary place to be. It can, I don't want to say fun. Fun is not the word. It's not fun. It, it has the potential to be fun. I, I think uh, when you're in a situation where the roster needs to be addressed, and you would like to think that there's a very smart individual uh, at the control panel to to fix those issues. That could be fun, but that individual has been at the uh, control panel for 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, four years. Parts of four years. That's not fair to say. Parts of four years. Um, and you're still waiting for the big one. You're still waiting for the like the the, to be on the Dodgers side of things, like we want to get the Mookie bets and then pay him three hundred sixty-five million dollars. Like sh- sh- Heim, show us you can be Andrew Friedman. Yeah, when's gonna be our turn? And in 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 fairness, I mean John Henry still has to play ball. Like he's when it comes down to all those three hundred four hundred million dollar deals, like that has to be signed off by ownership. And if they're not, then Heim Heim can't trade for a top three player in baseball and then give him $365 million to play for the Boston Red Sox. That's not his decision. He can facilitate the trade. Sure. But unfortunately for us, uh, there is not a Mookie Betts who's probably going to be on the move. Unless unless Coley's premonition comes to fruition. <laughs> This offseason. And I'd be lying if I told you that I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that. Just got that. I mean, that would be the 
the most like depressing and twisted timeline of them all. Yeah, because if you were if you were the Dodgers, you wouldn't trade Mookie Betts for Fernando Tatis Jr. Straight up, no way. Oh, I thought you were talking about Judge. No, no, no. I'm talking about Tatis. No, you wouldn't. But I could live with that. I could like. I don't think it would be fixing everything, especially since we don't even know what fucking position he would play. And it could make it worse if they're just like, well, if Xander left, we get our shortstop. Like that would be actually worse. Um, so it, it, there's a world where it's better. There's a world where it's substantially worse. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers also wouldn't trade Mookie Betts for Aaron Judge. So there's probably not a lot of guys that you would trade Mookie Betts for. No, you wouldn't trade him for Trout anymore. Uh, with his back issues, I don't care how many games in a row he hit the home run, they wouldn't do that. Um, I don't know. Would you trade him for Soto? He's hitting like a buck 20 since he's become a Padre. I think he's in the middle of the worst slump of his career right now. Big time. Um, Otani? So right now, they probably. Otani probably just because he's so rare. You would definitely trade it. Like the Angels would not trade Otani for Mookie. Who knows what the you can't guess what the angels would fucking do. That's true. A smart person, I guess. You know what? At the same time, because of contracts, like would you trade two years of control of Shohei Otani for ten years of control of Mookie Betts? Like, of course you would. I think that in that case, you would do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I think it's a pretty interesting deal that obviously would never happen. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's not many players you trade for Mookie Betts, but. Connor Wong, Jeter Downs, and Verdugo get it done. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I don't think I don't think it gets talked about enough how not good of a return that was. <laughs> like the issue is, you're never gonna get when it's like when you trade a superstar or one of the best players in the game, you're never gonna get it. It's just like. Jeter Downs blowing this bad. Like he was supposed to be the one safety net out of it all, and he ended up just falling through. Connor Wong can make it look a little bit better, especially if he can become a starting catcher. Verdugo, Verdugo's no. a slightly above average player. Um, but no matter what, it's always it's gonna be a loss. It's just like depending on what you did with that price contract, could you have got Tony Gonsolin or something? And I think that's where the frustration should be and where you should kind of sit there and say, like, getting well, a piece like Dustin May, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux, like uh, those are the names where you sit there and it was it was it worth it to you to get Price's contract off the books to get this kind of return? And I think that's where the frustration is valid. And it's like Connor Wong's just hitting the majors now. Could it have been Kiebert Ruiz all this time? Like, sure. And and you're right. Like if it were if if the Dodgers are the goal, it's going to be second ten years when we're playing from that part of luxury. And I understand those. The want and the need for instant gratification, especially in Boston. But I still think there was a way. Like like you said, we were in the ALCS last year. I I went to the offseason on the previous iteration of the show being like, there's a very uh, narrow wire to cross this offseason. And I think at this point, September 11th, we can say that wire was not crossed successfully. <laughs> no. Um, it- they had signed if they had signed Gosman and Schwarber and just brought back Iglesias. And story hasn't been the problem. I'm not saying he's been the problem. But if you had taken that money and allocated it to those three instead, I, I have a hard time believing we're not 
at the top of the wild card right now. Or or just acted like the Dodgers and didn't just go over and half-ass the luxury tax. If you had just gone and pushed another 20 or 30 million over and got one of those guys and one of those pieces, you could have had it. It's just, it was right there in front of you. And if you're going to follow the path of the Dodgers and push all your chips in and be aggressive to try and win a World Series, that's how you do it. And just, that's why I sit here with Haim. And he broke a lot of that trust with me this year in terms of that. I'm still a Haim Bloom guy. Uh, and like I said, the deadline not getting under it insulted me even more. But am I here to tell you that, you know, some people calling for him to be fired, I never thought that was the case. There's been a lot of things. Injury-wise, Stats had a great tweet that came out the other day showing the Red Sox in terms of you know, number of days of guys on the L are number one in baseball. And then in terms of money for each day or whatever, they're number one. That's what sunk your season. It's just no more half-assing. If you're going to compete and try to win a World Series, don't give me a couple million over the luxury tax because it's insulting. It's insulting when you're the Boston Red Sox. Yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> this, I didn't see this. The Red Sox released Al Moore today. RIP. Damn. So, yeah, he, he asked politely if he could be bought out, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't give a fuck, dude. See you later. See you, dude." They he pitched once, like they were just. I think they were just, you know. Oh wow, he he stayed with us. No one picked him up. Good for him. I don't even think he can get on a postseason roster. No, what do you have to be on it before September first? I believe so. Yeah, so he's probably just gonna chill. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> I guess we can pick a Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the series, but like, who fucking cares uh, about the game action at this point? Well, I care about Friday because what the fuck, dude? Like, get Bayo who goddamn wins. Mm-hmm. He got one. Not this series. Well, I thought you meant like he, like, as in like he didn't have a a win yet. No, he's the best pitcher in the league. Of course, he has a win by now. Mm. I'm saying on Friday, if if that's how it's going to go, keep him in with the bases loaded. I don't. You, you just can't bring in fucking Caleb the the Ortmeister. That can't happen. No, he he does get too, I guess, amped up at times, and I feel like that's when uh, he starts to lose control and he starts walking guys. By the way, I mean it's. Pretty universal who should be the fucking Clark's Ketchup Series MVP here. I mean, Xander hit Ever? five. No, Xander hit 500 oh, in the series. Okay. Easy. No, I, I agree. I, I thought the Grand Slam was going to push Devers over. No. I'm fine with it. Listen, I came here anticipating defending Xander, so that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Xander Bogarts hit 500 in the series with a 571 on base, a 1371 OPS. JD quietly played in all three games at 364. He's right there. But then uh, Arroyo, Arroyo had a nice series as well. Had a 1262 OPS. Arroyo and Xander, the only two guys with an OPS over 1,000 in the series. JD, 916 OPS. Kike, they actually had the exact same fucking series. Uh, They both hit 364. They both had a 916 OPS. They did the exact same shit. Kike and JD. Verdugo, 357. I mean, when you win a game fucking 17 or whatever the fuck it was, you're going to have, I think the only guys that didn't hit over 300 in the series were Tommy Pham, Trevor Story, and Tristan Casas did not have a hit all weekend. 
Ooh. I, I think with Bogart, that's the thing. Every single game, he played a role. The two-run shot in the first game. Second game, he got on base two different times. Was the guy before Devers ended up hitting the grand slam, and then today, he gives you the one run you need to win the game. Sander Bogart's Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. Jake, would you have voted for Xander there? Yeah, I'm good with Xander. I think Rafi gets the packet for sure for the Grand Slam. Yeah, I think a lot of people get ketchup packets in this one. Mm-hmm. I'd even give one to fucking Rich Hill. What was it, five shot today? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that deserves a packet. JD gets a packet. Kike. Verdugo. Xander have the most ketchup on the season now? Um, I feel like I should fucking know this. The dude that keeps we have the track, chart, right? Yeah, the dude that keeps track of the ketchup is probably like, why do I do this if you guys just don't fucking look? I look, it's he just might be, he might be second. I think he broke a tie for a second, and now he has by himself. Yeah, I mean, the last time that he posted it on the Section Ten Reddit, uh, it's it might be outdated by now. Yeah, because JD had this is the last time that it was posted was 17 days ago. And it has JD Endeavors, Story, and Vasquez having two. And Xander only has one in this one. Yeah, he's won the last two possible. Yeah, didn't he? he I know that this would be back to back for him, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so maybe he's. Maybe he's climbing up the ranks now. Good for Xander. He deserves it. I mean, you want to talk about taking something in the free agency. You're like, hey. Hey, Han. I actually led the team in Clark's Ketchup Series MVPs this year. So, Hey, hey Haim. I brought home the batting title. Yeah. And well, the best offensive shortstop in baseball. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good place to start. Oh, and by the way, I was also one of the better defenders in all of baseball with like, what is it? 86 percentile outs above average right now in shortstop. Xander Bogart's doing that. Respect it. I'll be honest. Clark's Ketchup Series MVP definitely means more. For sure. I'm just saying. You, For sure. You gotta say more than that, too. Yeah. I mean, the batting title is nice. But like, what if what if you like looked at the numbers and Xander Bogarts hit 217 in Red Sox victories and 378 in Red Sox losses, then that batting title looks a little bit different. So you can just take that to Haim and be like, yeah, I won a batting title. I also led the team in Clark's Ketchup Series MVPs. Carries a lot of weight, in my opinion. Big time. Uh, Huge. Stop a chop, look ahead. Off no. day. No? I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye, Coley. You guys have a See great you, rest of your show. Bye, Coley. Thanks. See you, pal. Um, <laughs> oh, that hurt. I didn't like that. Clark's ketchup. Series MVP goes to Xander Bogarts. Uh, Red Sox are off Monday. And then they and have two Thursday. Games, and Thursday this week. Um, two game series. Against the New York Yankees. Weird. I think Tuesday's game is on TBS. What's that all about? 
Maybe is it, is it still on Nessun for people that are in the area? Tell you right now. I don't know. Either way, whatever. Nick Pavetta versus Garrett Cole on Tuesday. Brian Bayo versus Frankie Montas on Wednesday. The Red Sox are six and seven. Out of all the things that have happened this year, the Red Sox with a win against Garrett Cole on Tuesday could have a 500 record against the New York Yankees. The first place New York Yankees uh, with a win on Tuesday. And they have a chance to have a winning record against this fucking scumbag team uh, with two wins. A little two-game sweep. They would be eight and seven. Game is on uh, Nesson, by the way. Okay. Only auto market for TBS. Got it. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. 11 and 7, a 320 ERA, a 102 whip, and an 11.5 strikeouts per nine. He's pitched into the sixth inning in 25 out of 28 starts this year. He has five games where he has allowed multiple home runs, one of which he allowed five. The Red Sox have at least one home run against Cole in all three times that he's faced the Red Sox this year. Super average on the road this season. 13 starts, 6 and 2, 343 ERA, 113 whip, and a 10.7 strikeouts per nine. Uh, a 357 ERA in the second half versus a 302 in the first half. He's faced the Red Sox three times this year. Somehow is 2 and 0. With a 529 ERA and a one whip and an 11.6 strikeouts per nine. That is 17 innings, 13 hits, 10 earned runs, four walks, four homers. Cole has an ERA over 420 against teams that he has faced more than twice this year. So this will be number four. Three of those teams, the Red Sox, Blue Jays, 540 ERA against the Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles, 429. Not great for the playoff picture. Uh... He gets barreled up and hit hard, but the rest of his stat cast percentiles are pretty good. The Yankees are 17 and 11 when he pitches this year. The Red Sox, 251, 312 on base, 819 OPS. Devers, 8 for 28, 6 home runs, 5 walks, 10 strikeouts at 13, 23 OPS against Garrett Cole. Kike, 6 for 14, couple doubles and a homer. Has never struck out against Garrett Cole. 1341 OPS for Kike. Very interesting. Uh, Frankie Montas, he fucking sucks. According to Pat Light, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, I guess. He's one in three with a 594 ERA and a 146 whip and a 7.7 strikeouts per nine. His Oakland statistics, four and nine, a 318 ERA, 114 whip, 7.8 strikeouts per nine. He also had a 336 FIP with the Oakland A's uh, versus his 452 in New York. Not great. Montas has seven starts for the Yankees this year, and he's allowed four plus earned runs in four of them. He's allowed seven plus base runners in six of seven. He has a 540 ERA at Yankee Stadium in his four starts there. Uh, that doesn't matter because we're at Fenway. He's faced the Red Sox twice this year, once with Oakland and once with the Yankees. Um, June 5th, six innings, six hits, four runs, one earned, a walk, seven strikeouts, gave up a home run and a loss. And then on August 13th, five innings, five hits, two earned runs, a couple walks, got a no decision. Um, His fastball sucks in August, 333 batting average against. 
600 slug in September, 313 batting average against, 361 weighted on base. Between the Yankees and the A's, his teams are 8 and 18 when he pitches, 3 and 4 with the Yankees. Red Sox, uh, 296 against him with a 816 OPS. Devers, 5 for 11, couple doubles. Verdugo, 4 for 8 with a double. So Devers, once again, is the X factor here for the Red Sox. Um, Jake, since I'll be there with you on Tuesday, what are you feeling for this series? I think the Red Sox take both. Do you think so? Yeah, this team's really not that good. Yeah, they're not that good. And I said that. I said that whenever that was, fucking June, maybe. It's like, they're just not that good. And I got laughed at. People are like, oh, can't wait to old takes expose this. Go right ahead. They, they're not that good. Objectively, they're not. They're definitely not as good as, as you thought they were in June. Whenever all those fucking idiots were like, oh, yeah, they're going to break the single season wins record. Not even close. They might not even come within 40 wins of that record. <laughs> so, another, cue another one up for me. Um, Tyler, what do you have for your prediction? I'm going to go with the split. Um, maybe I'm being negative. I, I don't, I don't want to insult anyone. Um, I like them coming off an off day. That's a big thing for me. Let that bullpen get a breather, and I feel like you're in good shape. Nick Pavetta worries me a little bit, as we know his struggles against the AL East this year. I think the ERA is in the seven range at this point. Um, no, not good. But Brian Bayo Day, every Bayo Day is a great day. Those are the days I look most forward to at this point. I think they're able to pull out at least one of them. Would I be surprised if they somehow pull out two? No, but in typical 2022 Red Sox fashion, I expect something to go wrong in one of those games. So I'll, I'll give you some Pavetta numbers here. Um, Talk to me. He's only allowed two earned runs in the month of September. But he's faced the Yankees three times this year. Back in April, which doesn't really count, uh, five, and a, five and two-thirds, four hits, four earned runs, gave up two homers. He's given up two home runs in all of them. Uh, July 10th, three and a third, eight hits, six earned runs, two homers. Uh, July 16th, a week later, four and a third, seven hits, seven earned runs, two homers. So it's either, I mean, July was a bad month for Pavetta, but it was a bad month because he faced the Yankees in back-to-back starts. Uh, yeah, so it, it, Yankees hitters, 261 with an 890 OPS, four doubles, 12 home runs. <laughs> Ugly. And I, I think the other wild card is Trevor Story, depending on what's up with this ankle, if they decide to play it cool with him and they're like, hey, we're going to give him a couple of days. Got another off day Thursday, and we'll see how he is after that. I don't like when Trevor Story is not in this lineup. I like Christian Arroyo a lot, but it feels like this entire team reaches another level with Story in there, especially with the way he's been swinging the bat lately. And defensively, and he, it just feels it, different when he's out there. Freakish. You know, he, the whole team comes together in that way. Um, he's a big part of that, but as long as he's there, at least for one of those games, I'll definitely buy one out of two. Yeah, I guess we... Which way? The Red Sox. Hmm. September's their month. September's the Red Sox month. So I know a lot of people probably don't feel that way, especially against the Yankees for whatever reason. They're not, they're not that good. Uh, the Red Sox are that good. Everyone was sucking the Orioles' dick. What happened? Red Sox. Smack them around. 
17 runs, 21 hits. The fuck you want from me? Mm. Yeah. What? What? Uh, yeah. what? I'm not trying to be negative or anything. No, I think you are yeah. trying to be negative. What are you no, they, they didn't no, push runs across in the first game or the third game, so... They didn't have know. to. The first game, they definitely had to because they lost. Um, if you were if you were like winning a race by uh, you couldn't even see your opponent behind you, would you sprint even harder to the finish line? Yeah, because I want to get the best mark possible. And no. the Red Sox are running behind everyone and need every win they can get. And to not win on Bayo Day, painful. This should have been a sweep. It should have been a sweep. Jake should have been right. Robbed of that. Jake's usually right. He is, and he would have been right, but Caleb Ort went in the game. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not allowed on the boat. No, definitely not allowed on the boat. Yeah, no. No thanks. No thanks to Ort. Um, All right. I think that pretty much covers it. Was this like another three-hour podcast? Close enough. like two Two hours and 40 minutes. Whew. The fuck did we talk about? Noah's Ark. Yeah. Imagine imagine like downloading this podcast and being like, well, I mean, they played the Orioles in like a meaningless series. Like what what the hell are they going to talk about? It's going to be a nice but, little quick one, no? Well, it's, it's an off day. Yeah, it, I think this is what people are thinking about. Like when you're watching the games, all you do is think about next year in the offseason, how it's coming together. Like there's only so much to take away from these games. It's what are the young guys doing? Like it's great. There's only so much you can talk about Xander or Devers or JD or whoever like those guys are what they are. It's how's Bayo doing? Cost is struggling. Obviously, he's a factor in that conversation. I don't think anyone here is worried, but you know, mm-hmm. he scuffled a little bit. He's taken his bumps early in his career. Um, I like the way he's controlling the strike zone, but you can only go so far with that. It's really planning for 2023 and beyond. That's what gets you know the juices flowing right now. When you take out the time for commercials, how long is like a four-hour radio show actually? Uh, it's fifteen four segments, fifteen minutes each one. That's kind of how we, well, and then you take out, yeah, actually, that's bad math. Terrible. Uh, horrendous math, actually. All right. An hour radio is roughly 40 minutes, like of actual content. Probably the best way to phrase it. Yeah. So, like, we can pretty much just do the, a Red Sox show. Oh. Four hours. Plus, yeah, you got to figure callers. That would be that. a fun thing to do. Yeah, I know you guys do it like, for uh, baseball's dead. I mean, I'm saying like if I just went to the sports hub and me and you like filled in on like Christmas Eve when when everyone's not there, like hey, we're doing four hours of just Red Sox. Uh, listen, I will say there was a a conversation about a Milliken hosting uh, about a month or so back, and it didn't end up working out for everybody. But uh, on Christmas Eve, Uh no, not it would have been uh, what month? Uh, early August, right around that point, you know, dead summer. Obviously, someone like me getting some airtime like that. But ah, Christmas listen. is on a fucking Saturday this year. Oof! Sports Hub, put me in Krabbis on for That's a couple what I'm hours. Saying. I would do that. Let's cook. I, so I did that in twenty fifteen, Christmas Eve, twenty fifteen. I did that at EEI. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to do it. It'd be fun to get callers in. Like, look at the baseball hour. The baseball hour flies. You know, you're on it when it yeah. happens. It goes by like that. You get us comfortable. We'll get actually some, not that it's all negative Red Sox on that station, but a majority of the callers are. I think it's good to get some positivity, some people with a, with a little bit of optimism for the team going yeah. on there. 
It's a Saturday. It's a holiday. That's that's the goal. Christmas Eve. Winter meetings wrap up. Yeah, sure. Happy to do it. Jake, I'd want you to be there. Run the board, Jake. I could do four hours. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a light lift. Um, All right. Uh, Enjoy the off day today, Monday. Uh, If you're at Fenway on Tuesday, be sure to come say hi to me and Jake. We're going to be there down by the Red Sox dugout, I think. I hope. Um, but yeah, we need to get, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll tweet the deets. Maybe we'll do a little, we'll do a little post game meet and greet so that Jake can get a little taste of, uh, the, the, all the people that adore him on Twitter and in the podcast world. He hasn't really had a chance to, to meet all of you. So maybe I'll do, maybe I'll tweet out just like a Jake meet and greet. <laughs> Love it. It also. Little preview of uh, what's coming up in 12 days, right? What's in 12 or 11 days? when people are listening? Oh what? my god, think! Oh, the fucking this oh, is... yeah, watch party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta, I gotta promote that. I haven't promoted it at all on Twitter. We should probably tweet something about that soon. I, I was scared we were gonna go this whole episode without mentioning it. Yeah, what is it, September 23rd? Yep, September 23rd, cast and flag in. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees, everyone will be there from the podcast. Even the people that don't even come on the podcast will be there. Uh, Pete has a wedding. Pete has a wedding. But he, you never know with Pete. I don't even, I mean, yeah. Maybe he shows up late. I don't know where the wedding is. If it's in close proximity, I'm going to make him come. So we'll see. Maybe he'll just skip the whole thing. Maybe he will. I, I don't know. I don't know how uh, close he is to whoever's getting married. So. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you watching on the YouTube channel if that's your thing. Um, It's been a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll see you on Thursday morning. Buenas noches, amigos.